Time to grab a cup of coffee, sit back in your lazy boy, and take a trip into the great outdoors. Get ready for your up-to-the-minute fishing report from every piece of water on the first coast. Here's the three guys with salt water in their veins and big fish in their dreams. Sports Radio 930. Good morning, Northeast Florida. Good morning, Captain John Botko. Good morning, sir. How we doing, sailor? Real good. Good. It is indeed our pleasure. And welcome from Wahoo Fishing Products, Scott Jones. Good morning, Scott. Morning, Captain. How you doing? I'm doing outstanding. I appreciate you uh, coming in this morning. Thank you. It's a pleasure um, to be here. Roger and I are doing the, uh, the the split duty on you this morning because um, I'm about to bust to get to 21 Fathoms. He's headed off sheephead fishing when the show's over. I tell you what, for guys that fish in the wintertime, I bet there'll be more on the water today. And tomorrow, Well, probably not tomorrow with the Jags game, but today than, than uh, a long, long time. It's been very cold out there. <laughs> okay, you got you want to hear a cold story, right, John? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to hear one. For everybody that thinks they're cold, mm-hmm. okay. Let me t- Scott. Let me tell you something. I have I have run an awful lot of boats. There's no perfect boat. We all know that. My young 27 is the closest I've ever had. I'm a huge fan of the uh, company and the family that owns it and everything. So when they called me and asked me if I could bring my boat over to do a catalog shoot. I was all over it. Shoot you out. You know, I'd love to. So I take my boat over there, and we're going to shoot this catalog for the 2018. Where, where, where are you going? Over to Crystal River. Oh, okay. Okay. I get up in the morning, and the side of my truck was parked right next to the sprinkler. That wasn't good. <laughs> okay. No, that's not good. All right. It's 20 degrees. The side of my truck's a sheet of ice. So we finally get my truck unlocked. We get the boat to the water. We get all the, the 24s there, the 20. They, they build a line of flats boats called the Gulf Shores that are really cool. And um, we get all the Gulf Shore in the water and everything. And we get all lined up to run. Well, I'm running wearing my Yamaha storm suit, you know, and got my, my uh, beanie cap on and my other hat. You know, John, when you're filming a boat company, a Florida boat company, you know what you can't do? No, what? You can't look cold. <laughs> Okay. Uh, uh, oh, yeah. So pretty soon, not only is it 20, and I think it might have soared all the way up to 23, not only are we in that weather running boats, but we can't look cold. <laughs> so you got to take your coats off? Oh, got to wear your young T-shirt and your hat, right? <laughs> oh, son. Oh. A whole new definition of cold. Oh, my goodness. So when you, when you look at the young boat catalog that will come out later this year to pick out your new young boat, Captain Ricky's going to look like it's 80 degrees. Yeah. <laughs> so you're a good actor then. I'm not doing that again. I tell you what, son, that was some new kind of cold. Golly, I am, I am itching to get on the water. Scott, it seems to me like the fish would just have to be chewing like crazy on a warm day out of all this cold. Uh, I hope so. It's uh, water temperature yesterday. I fished uh, low tide in the afternoon. It was 47.8. Uh, fish were real lethargic. You could almost run them over before they would spook. Did they bite? Uh, not very well. Prior to that, a week, week and a half before that, the water was low 50s, and uh, they were chewing like crazy. I was mm-hmm. having really good luck. What, what, nice slot reds. Were you using artificials yesterday or live bait? Uh, we, we were using artificials at first and uh, actually had a, about a dozen mud minnows in my live well that had been there for about three weeks yeah, it's, it just swimming it's around. been yeah. so cold that you know they were absolutely perfectly fine and we even tried uh 
using a couple of those and um, they, they just didn't really want to eat you know they in fact my son made a cast at one that was just kind of real i barely even swimming you know he was just cruising along and, and my son made a perfect cast with a mud minnow and it literally went right over it and didn't even look at it hmm. he just wants to be warm i think you know, just uh, almost like in survival mode it seems like Okay. Did you see fish yesterday? When uh, could you see fish? I mean, oh yeah, there, with, there's plenty of fish out there. We saw, you know, there's a they're tightly bunched up, tightly yeah. schooled. Did, did you? I've seen them a lot of times in this weather where they'll they'll get into where it's very soft mud. Yes. And almost bury themselves, part of their body, in the mud. Yeah, I think that black mud too. You know, and that that muck that I think it warms up a little more. Yeah. especially at low tide and they they slip up into that yeah they, they they'll lay there just lethargic yeah they're not even moving i mean they're, they're very still some, some, sometimes you bump them yeah and and they'll move 10 yards feet. yeah <laughs> that's it they're, they're, they don't have any energy they're uh -huh. not moving mm -hmm. now here's what's interesting i talked uh, i got a text a few minutes ago from tony bazella who had an outstanding day yesterday yeah did he find a little piece of a little bit warmer water, you think? May have, may have been that way. Um, what I did notice where I was at, there was a big school of uh, finger mullet, and I'm, I'm thinking, well, maybe they had already, you know, used whatever little energy they had well, and, and had already eaten, and maybe, you know, they just weren't interested well, in Well, what Tony feeding. could have done and what was different, you were up in shallow water yesterday. Correct. Tony might have been in deeper water. A lot of times David has found him in colder weather where he's – deep jigging yeah. 20 feet of water or whatever it could have been just that difference is what it could have been maybe if uh do you know if tony's calling in today uh, he's in a duck blind this morning well, so i, I saw, don't know i saw him pulling out he was in the little boat so i'm thinking he, he probably was, was in shallow water yeah, yeah. yeah if he was in little boat he was yeah. in shallow water yeah, yeah but uh, it's just it's just weird and, and john i've seen it we've all seen it those those fish all bunched up it almost looks to me like they're gathered together for body heat, doesn't it? Oh, it does. It doesn't work. No, that's no not. Doubt. That's I, not a factor with no, fish. We know that, but but it sure looks like. It. Yeah. Well, if I'm if I'm gonna freeze to death, I'm gonna be next to you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever it is. Well, I'm glad to hear that, John. But I'm gonna be next to Mama. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. No. No. Uh -uh. That, no that's that's. Uh, it's but they, kind of, it's kind of strange, and and I've had them where it's that cold water for in the mid forties and have them bite, but they're so cold they don't fight. They you could it's like bass fishing. You could skip them across the water, and and a lot of times if the air temperature is cold, they'll come out and form a they'll bend and they don't straighten back out again. Yeah, well you know it's it's weird. It's, you know obviously they don't get heat from each other, but. They always school up so tightly in the wintertime, mm -hmm. and you don't see that in the summer. So I'm wondering what is the reason that they always do it in the winter. You know, I don't know if it's somehow they are trying to protect each other from predators or what, but they don't. They never school like that in the summertime. I almost wonder. Do you think if, it, if there's a scout or somebody? In other words, you guys all take it easy, and I'm going to keep my eyes out. Or well, you whatever. know what? You know what? You make a point, and let me tell you why you make a point, John. The porpoises are still feeding. Oh yeah, they are at a reduced ability to get away from them. Yep. Because they don't have the the energy, and that could be it. I mean, what do bait fish do offshore with it? With a the, the the more activity the balls, there is, yeah. the more predators are around. The tighter they ball up. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's it. I mean, maybe they're they're 
they're scared. Maybe they know they can't move fast, and they're scared of something getting them, which is very, very possible, I would mm-hmm. think. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's the only thing that makes sense to me. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I, I don't know. But anyway, I do know that our phone lines are ringing this morning, so we need to get out on the phone and get to Matt. Good morning, Matt. Good morning. How are you doing, Rick? Hey, I'm doing excellent. How about yourself? Uh, pretty good. Um, I got something. I fished a tournament last week, and I wound up with two fish for second place. It was awful, but Ooh, that is that's pretty tough there. Yeah, the funny hey. thing I'll tell you was I ran into a buddy of mine in the run, and uh, he was catching tarpon. Wow, wow! In Salt Run. Yep. Wow. Uh, they were little juveniles, and I thought they were ladyfish at first when I saw them. And I went up to him, and I said, Mark, was that a ladyfish? He goes, no, it's a tarpon. And damn if he didn't catch one right when I was sitting there. And sure enough, it was a 17-inch little baby tarpon. He goes, I probably caught seven of them. That's cool. What That's were they way cool. And the, the, he, I talked to him, and he thinks, yeah, they got shut in there, and they can't get out because the river is so cold. And the run was about 68 degrees. Wow. So, now, so I, they were trapped. They're basically trapped in there. I don't know where you're at. Salt Run. Where, where, St. Augustine. St. Augustine. Oh, yeah. you're, ta- no, you're no, talking no, about. No, 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 Lake George. He's talking about Lake, Lake George. George. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh. Matt's oh. our freshwater guy. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's wow. incredible. That's incredible. But they, yeah. don't, uh, they don't have any problem, Matt, with freshwater. I, years ago, no. uh, like when I was 15 or 16, Brad Reed found a drainage ditch over in Ortega. It was full of little twelve-inch tarpon, and I took one home, put it in my aquarium, and he he did he did fine, and but he he almost seemed despondent, you know. And like weeks later, he would just sit in one place in the aquarium. He wouldn't move. He just sit there and breathe. So I got to feeling bad for him. So I took him to Trout River, let him go. But I doubt he made it. But Jack Ravel probably ate him. But um, uh, yeah, was, I thought that was unusual though for this time of year. No it question, was, it is. It was, it was just unique. No question. Now, you were in a tournament, and you finished second with two fish. Yeah, 30 pounds. Okay, I'm guessing it wasn't a two-boat tournament. (laughs) No, there was about, I guess I think it was like 20 people, 17 17 boats or 20 boats, something like that. Okay, well, well, then you you did good. I mean, if you, Scott, if you catch 20 good fish, but Roger catches 25, you had a bad day. But if you catch two and he caught one, you had a fine day. Absolutely. Right? <laughs> so, yeah, you know, that's the way you got to look at it. Uh, or- Orange Lake, I heard, is on fire for Speckle Perch. I'm going to Monday. Are they, in the, are they in the pads yet? Uh, they're in open water, but my buddy caught, like, he didn't keep 50, but he kept the bigger ones. He caught, like, 50 one day and 40 another. Mm-mm-mm. No, that's, that's really good. I'd... I like speckled perch fish. I love eating speckled perch. I will oh, eat a crappie all day long. Oh, they taste like freshwater flounder. I mean, if you they put, really uh, do. If you put a speckled perch fillet and a flounder fillet next to each other and fried it, you couldn't tell the two apart. They're well, exactly, they're exactly the same texture, just about. As much for, as for, I for love, being, just for being two different species and two different bodies of water, they're very, very similar. As, as much as I love flounder, I think I almost like a fried speck better. Mm. I, I really like them. But I love but I, catching them when they're in the pads and you're in there with one of those fiberglass cane poles dropping minnows and the holes in the pads. I think that's just as much fun as you can have. But I, I tried calling you in the middle of the week, Rick, because uh, with that situation down on uh, Okeechobee, 
for that guy. They right, I know they found, they found him. him. Yeah. yeah, they found him, unfortunately, down <clears throat> south end of the lake. But I was going to ask you, there's so many options out there for a personal EPIRB. Because um, I fish a lot of these bigger lakes and stuff. I was thinking about actually getting one. Um, what would your advice be on which brand or model and how much can you expect to spend on a personal EPIRB? Go down to Daytrex on Talleyrand Avenue and see my girl Becky. Um, they've got them down there in the in the hundred dollar range. Um, the person, the PLBs, not the not the real EPIRBs, right. the PLBs, which are exactly perform the same function. Mm-hmm. I would I would have a PLB on my boat instead of an EPIRB, except that. Um, they talked me into, it and they were right. They said, if you take that PLB with you, you're going to take it hunting. I said, yeah, yeah, I'll have it hunting too. And he said, that's great. Then when you're 30 miles offshore and you're in trouble, it'll be in your hunting jacket back in the house. And I said, how you know. Does, how does that work? Do you have to register it with a Coast Guard or? If you register um, it, they know who it is and, and you know, what your situation is. Um, so they highly, highly recommend that you register it. Now. If it goes off without registration, they will still get the distress signal, but they won't have any idea who it is. Even though I'm in freshwater, I fish a lot of big lakes, Kissimmee, and if you break down in your middle of the lake and it's 5 o'clock in the evening and it's getting dark, you don't have to worry about spending the night out there or people don't have to look for you. At least, um, exactly so. right. Man, I've got a question that's bothering me about that guy in Okeechobee, and, and you would know this. He was in a tournament, right? Yes, uh, uh, FLW. It's like the it's like the Bush Series of race NASCAR. It's like the step below the full time pro level. Okay, then and wasn't entry fee, entry, give me the idea. Entry fee was like seventeen hundred. Then wasn't he required to have a PFD on? Yeah. Then why did it take so long? Well. You gotta remember, like I could show, I might lose you because I'm headed to work. I'm in the middle of nowhere. Um, if I do, I'll call you back if I can. Okay. Um, and your question was, why did it? He didn't have it on, or why? No, he he, he obviously had it on if he was in so gear in a tournament. Well, well Lake Lake Okeechobee, first of all, it looks like an ocean. Yeah, I know. When you get in a river, you, in a river, you have two, three foot. It's more two, three foot chop. Okeechobee, first of all, is like two to four foot swells. I've seen it where it's breaking like an ocean on the beach. And they're they're deep long troughs. Um with that said, he was they were in the middle of the lake. The guy never should have taken tried to go across the lake. He had a follow boat with him and the following boat took a wave over the bow and he said, Forget this and peeled off and went around the rim ditch evidently or something. He continued to try to cross the lake. And he didn't make it another few minutes from what I was told because a buddy of mine actually fished with the guy that died. So um, so they didn't hit something? My understanding no, was they no, hit something. They, he stuffed it no, is what they, I heard. They, no, they took a wave over the bow. He lost control of the boat because the boat got completely submerged and he couldn't get it turned around. And I've been fishing in the river when it's hard to stay on one spot and just a, a St. John's River chop. And this is a... This is a swell from the north, oh, yeah. 20, 20 knot wind, and the boat, a 3,000 pound boat full of water, uh, you're not going to get the troll motor to work. You, and even if you could get troll motor, it's coming up and out of the water because of the swell. Sure, sure. Um, so the, the, 
they were on the north end of the lake when they capsized, and they drifted basically three-quarters of the down the way of the lake, and the boat was beat up and everything because the boat drifted up on the Pahokee Rocks that run east to west. And they found him, like I said, 11 o'clock at night, and they found the other guy, unfortunately, four or five days later. But you said, why couldn't they find him? That lake, those swells I was telling you about, it gets so bad in that lake, majority of the boats that were looking for him were bass boats. They yeah, couldn't get true. out. The, they couldn't get out in the middle of the was. lake yeah. to yeah. look. Um, there's a few Coast Guard boats, but you put a two or three Coast Guard boats in a, in a lake that's 50 miles long and 30, 40 miles wide, you're not going to see a whole lot. Plus, the guy's probably bobbing up and down, and he disappears. Then you see him, then he disappears. Yeah. And by the time they realized he was missing, it was dark. Excuse me, it was dark anyways. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I know. Um, I was. Oh God, we we found a guy uh, when I was in high school. Um, they were running along the jetties, and uh, the steering cable broke. Boat slammed into the jetties. Uh, nothing left but the bow, and there were two guys holding a third guy that was unconscious up onto what was left of the bow, and we picked him up just south of the sea buoy. But you're right. Uh, Thank you, God, the captain of our boat saw an arm stick out of a wave. He saw one of the guys try to wave for help, and it still took us 45 minutes to find him after that. So I, yeah. you, you, you explained it to me very well, Matt. The way I understood it was they hit the rocks, and my question yeah, hit, was, well, if they hit the rocks, why wasn't the body right there at the boat? Yeah, yeah it, hit, it hit the rocks probably 10 hours I, or however long it took, took them to drift from the north and the lake to the man, south. Man, oh, man. Uh, 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 what a tragedy. All right, so, Cap, we appreciate the heck out of it. When those specs move in the pads, I'd love to hear about it, okay? Okay, I'll, I'll text you later in the week, Rick, about that EPIRB deal because I'm going to Kissimmee for about 10 days. Uh-huh. Like the Kissimmee chain. You got it. I may get one. Okay, Rick, y'all take care. Y'all have a good day. All right, thanks a lot. Hey, guys, we're going to step aside for a break, but let me tell you, one of the advantages of doing business at your hometown hardware store is great specials on just what we need for the outdoor lifestyle here in Northeast Florida. The Proctor Boys of Proctor Ace Hardware always have something for us. Be ready for your Super Bowl. Proctor Ace has a whole selection of fire pits, patio heaters, and plenty of firewoods and fire logs. They're also your headquarters for outdoor patio furniture and grills with Big Green Egg, Weber's, Traegers, and Green Mountain. Come see their friendly staff today, except Steve Proctor won't be there because he and I are headed to 21 Fathoms in 0.53 minutes. We will be right back after this. And we are back with more Florida Sports Magazine Live. Hey, it's time for our Guy Beard Question of the Week. Guy Beard Designs is one of our new sponsors. They've got a new segment called Know Your Limits. It's going to be simple. Instead of taking your lawyer fishing with you, we're going to keep you updated on what the current limits are on the fish we fish for the most. Answer the question about what the current limits are. You will qualify for a once-a-month drawing for the most beautiful blue water swivel bracelet you have ever seen. And, John, I'll pick ours up this week, I promise. All right. Okay. Uh, this week's Know Your Limit question is, what is the bag limit on speckled perch? It's funny because our, our buddy Matt called in a few minutes ago about speckled perch, and I thought I knew it, and I was wrong. So we're going to use that as our Guy Beard question of the week this week. Get, um, give us a call with your name and number of the answer to the question, and you will qualify to win a swivel bracelet. Good morning, Todd. How are you? Good morning, fishermen. What's going on, Cap? Not a whole lot. Uh-oh, pretty cold. Tuesday and couldn't find anything, John. Really? 
I couldn't even stir up a mud minnow myself. That's not good. <laughs> I, I fished deep. I fished out. I fished shallow. I, I, I just went roaming around just to see if I could find some fish. The water in town cool. has still not cleared up from the hurricane. Uh, you know, I, Scott, did you see fairly clear water yesterday? I did, I, yeah. I, I have, too. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah, but you're a lot closer to the ocean than Todd is. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's cleared up nice. I mean, it, you know, with these water temperatures, it's uh, it better be clear. Yeah. And I we did. know what time of year it is, and we expect that. But I was really hoping that with the cold weather, it would really start filtering out some of this panic water that we have, and it's just not happening. Hmm. Yeah, do you, do you think it's because of water way uh, up or down river coming that way? Because, like I said, it is clearer by the ocean, that's for sure. Yes, it has to be coming from Sanford and up the river. And I haven't talked to those folks to find out what their water looks like. It took forever for the water to clear up and drop down there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it, Todd, do you feel like the water level is back to normal? Yes, I, I had an actual fairly normal high tide the other day. Okay. That I thought was a low tide. I was so used to it. <laughs> yeah. you know, but uh, it, it just isn't doing it for days at a time. You get one little flash of, you know, where you guys have that northwest wind, and it drops out of here. Yeah, yeah. The water clears up, and I can see a few inches further than I could a couple weeks ago. Yeah, but it ain't great yet. But I still can't see a foot, two foot into the water at all. I got you. Mm-hmm. And, and fishing dead shrimp is what I've been doing. I haven't gone to any live bait. And uh, even on the crab, I didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. What kind of water temperatures are you seeing down your way? I had no idea, but mm. my feet were cold all day. <laughs> I know about that. You know, and, and, and it's nice to get out on the water. You surely don't have anybody out there to pressure you. No gnats bothering you. Yeah, exactly. Actually, I had some yesterday. It was so calm. It was first calm day that probably the, the gnats were happy to get out. You know, they, were, they weren't terrible, but they, they were trying to swarm a little bit. Yeah, uh, and, and I've been hoping to get out to the channel and see if I could find some of them puppy drums maybe swimming up the river, but I just haven't had the chance to get out into the deep and fish it like I'd like to. Todd, I was just looking at the tides for this week. You said it was pretty normal, and really it has been pretty normal. We've been having highs uh, at about 4.5, which is, you know, not extreme at all. You know, probably, uh, you know, flood tides are in the six-foot range, and we're talking 4.5, and low tides right around zero. So there really hasn't been a whole lot of water movement. Just like you said, it's kind of back to maybe a normal tide. Yep, and uh, I don't know what to tell you other than head out, head out toward the beach and find, fish where the fish are. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the best bet. It's just that time of year, and the water temperatures drop so much that even, you know, like you guys are saying, the fish on the large zart are a little slow. <laughs> a little slow, that's right. That's right. <laughs> I, I don't have a... Your tongue's just a, cold, I, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I just can't talk good. I'm like you, Todd. I, you know, I'm a little slow. Oh, I feel for you taking your T-shirt off in the middle of the winter. Son, the other day. let me tell you something. Well, first off, I wouldn't take my T-shirt off. Nobody wants to see that. Not even me. But 
Uh, down to a T-shirt running on, on Thursday. Unbelievable. You're a tougher man than I thought. Well, I, I, I couldn't have pulled that off. Whole new level of pain. I'm not kidding you. It was cold. John, the only thing that I did notice was on the new moon, which was like Wednesday when I fished or Tuesday when I fished, yeah. the water just didn't move out as quick as or move in or out as, as hard as I'd like to see on that moon. So it made fishing really easy for me. I thought I was really, you know, I found some decent water to fish, moving water and everything. It just, just came up short, you know, mm-hmm. bageled out. Mm-hmm. I've, uh, Scott, help me out. I've never done well downtown in the wintertime. Me either. I, I, I usually don't even go down that way. They just, I, I, I mean, maybe for some trout, and, yeah. and that would probably be about it. I can't imagine catching many reds down that way. Yeah, the reds yeah. we're not really looking for up in the shallows. But the trout should be here. The yellow mouth trout should be stacked up. And like you guys are saying, when you find them, you're going to find them, man. It's going to be a regular thing. Yeah, yeah. But it's uh, they're they. I don't know. I you, I grew up on Trout River, and this time of year, I would never even go. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, that's just... what I'm going to work on too. Is is things around the house, and my truck didn't fare through the weather at all. I have exhaust blowing out through my radiator. I'm going to have to get me a new truck. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, darn the bad luck. I hate it when that happens. Oh yeah, it, it's just rough. Yeah, <laughs> I know it. All right, thank you, Todd. Fishermen have tells who do fish. You won't know unless you, you won't go. know unless you go. Thank you, buddy. We appreciate it. Calling up Fat Daddy. Good morning, Captain George. Good morning, my friends. How are we doing today? What's happening? I'm too damn cold. <laughs> I understand that. I'm a sissy. I understand that. You should have been with me the other day, George. We're filming a catalog, so we had to strip down to our T-shirts. Uh, uh, where were you? Crystal River. It was 24. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Sounds a little nipply. Well, the problem is I shrunk. <laughs> And we don't need that. No, we don't need that. <laughs> I'll disappear if I shrink anymore. George would have been oh right goodness, at home that... with his flip-flop. So. Yeah, yeah, your flip-flop. Turtle, turtle head toe would have had to have been covered up, George. Well, I'll bet. I, the other day, um, I had to go over. My son's out of town. I've been taking care of his dog. And uh, yesterday morning, I went out and I had to get the, the credit card out and scrape the windshield off just so I could go. Roger. <laughs> it was doing it. And, uh, when I got to Jack's Beach there, uh, his front yard was, was frozen. It was uh, like a white, uh, not snow, but uh, just frost. Yeah, um, it, it actually got kind of cold at the beach. I tell you what, I, it's just like I told Debbie, and I know you'll, you'll appreciate this more than anybody. I told her, I said, look here. This summer when we're dragging baits and we've been pulling for two hours without a bite, and I start getting upset. Just tell me to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, remember, remember January. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I won't forget this January for a while. I don't think a lot of people will. I promise you. It's yeah, supposed it, to be nice this weekend. It's supposed to be the seventies. So, well, my boat. I, I took my boat back over to to uh, Young Boats for some upgrades and renovations, so I can pretty well count on the fact it's going to be slick for the next ten days. Oh, there. Of course, of course, no doubt about it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Being as I won't be able to go fishing. Yeah, my brother, uh, he pulled his boat out of the water. and yeah, Well, he was keeping it Morningstar there, and he took it down to St. Augustine to put new canvas and stuff on it. But Put new what's on it? A canvas. You oh, know, a okay, I got you. I thought you said cameras. I was going to say, Billy don't oh, no. need a camera. <laughs> no, no, he, he doesn't even <laughs> need a hand telephone or a hand camera. <laughs> yep, that's right, that's right. But, uh, 
Uh, he's he's got his out for for a while now. Just uh, you know, it's that time of year. Work on stuff. Fix your trailer. You know, whatever you need to do. Yep, Misters Misters Chris Proctor Mims and I are going to be headed to Twenty One Fathoms in about thirty five minutes. Oh really? Yes, sir. Oh killer. Yep, can't wait. That sounds like fun. That sounds like fun. Tell <laughs> tell Crybaby I said hi. There won't be any harassing. No, 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 no. That'll be a real quiet, laid back, uh, no noise. You know, that real, real nice trip. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm the weak link on that trip, George. <laughs> you better be thick skin. That's for damn sure. <laughs> Ain't no doubt about that. Ain't no doubt about that. Bad oh, well, Daddy, we. Uh, I take it you haven't been surf fishing this week. No, no, I have not. <laughs> I, 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 when it's cold like that, I just don't. No, it's no fun. You know, yeah. you got to fight the elements. It's no fun. Oh yeah, I understand that. What's the surf temperature? Do you know? Uh, 54. Oh man. Yeah. Man. And we'll, we'll start see what, seeing whiting again at 60, right? Probably. Yeah. About 60. Yeah. Yeah. I just wonder if we're going to get all this early blast of winter and then not much of a winter in February and March. Uh, let's, let's pull for that. Yes. <laughs> I'm kind of, I'm, I'm with you. I'm kind of in favor of that. Yeah. Charlie and them, uh, they, they haven't even gone tripping. They, uh, he said it's different when it's rough. He says, when it's rough and cold, then you don't want to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand that. Yeah, I understand been wild. That. Been wild. All right, Cap, we appreciate it. You guys have a good one. We'll see you later. Thank see you, buddy. George. All right, we got to step aside for a break. But let me tell you something. If you keep a boat on the St. John's River, there's an excellent chance you've experienced the same kind of pain I have when Irma took out your dock. Hey, I found a solution for you. Just move your boat to Fort George Island Marina, and you're going to get spoiled. You won't even want to fix your dock. Listen, Keeping your boat inside means it's always looking its best. And even better, why on earth would you keep it on a trailer and fight the zoo at the boat ramp every weekend? At Fort George Island Marina, your boat will be treated with kid gloves. When their staff pulls it out of the water, they'll wash it to the gunnels and even flush your engines. So if you've had dock damage just or just sick of the rat race at the boat ramp every weekend, give the crew at Fort George Island Marina today a call and make your boating life a whole lot easier. You can reach them at 251-0050. More Florida Sports Magazine live coming up right after this. Radio 930 and SportsRadio930.com. And we are back with more Florida Sports Magazine live. Scott, I saw an awful lot of disturbing pictures of, of dead snook and little tarpon in our area recently. Yeah, you hate to see that. I guess, uh, you know, it's just nature's way of thinning the herd and keeping the strongest to survive. But, uh you know, with these kind of winters, they're just not. Uh, some of them aren't going to make it, unfortunately. Do you think our there's a percentage of them here that make it, or do you think when our water warms up, a percentage of those down south that made it migrate back up this way? That's a good question. I, I there's probably a few that uh, you know they just got that gene that you know is probably a little better than the other ones and they survive. But uh, there's probably a little bit of both of that going on. Now, you were making the point while we were talking off the air, and you and John were discussing it. You're convinced that we have a better spring and summer following a winter this brutal like this. Uh, in my experience over the last 20 or 30 years, it definitely seems to improve the fishing overall. Uh, you know, the last couple of years with the warm winters we've had, the, the fishing hasn't been that spectacular. But uh, I'm looking back to 2010 when we had that record winter froze for – Every night for about a month, I mean, got down in the teens. We had, we had 
didn't we have like a 10 day stretch where it didn't get above freezing mm-hmm. you know it was yeah, it was and, brutal and we had brutal. ice on the intercoastal yep. there was yep. massive fish kills all over the state but uh that that year uh Fishing wise, once it you know we got into spring and summer, the fishing was incredible See, all I, year. I don't really feel this last year was a very good fishing year. We had extreme weathers. We started out with dry, 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 and Warm. then all of a sudden water came in to excessive amounts. I mean, just the water got dirty, and then we ended up with Irma uh, right after that. It was it was just the whole year was a tough year. I don't think uh, you know. As far as I'm concerned, it, it, this year should be better after you know with the cold winter and coming up. I, I'm looking forward to it. But I think weather-wise, it was an extreme year this last year. Now this is and 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 I think the reason we know this about red snapper is because they are monitored so closely, and so much of the federal resources are are geared toward uh, determining the population of red snapper. But they can document that following hurricane years mm-hmm. we have huge spawns every every year has been followed by a massive spawn well i can tell you right now that based on my experience and all the captains that i talked to we have never seen anything to approach the number of small red snapper we see now i mean it is an exponential jump and robert uh, Johnson warned me about it a year ago he says cap you think we got red snapper he said wait till this spawn grows up he said, you've never seen the likes of it. And he's right. Scott, we're dropping in 160 feet of water and catching 12-inch red snapper. Hmm. You know, it's just places we've never seen them before. Mm-hmm. And and if that's the case, and hurricanes provide boom seasons of or boom spawns of red we'll snapper, back-to-back one. they're going to be crawling out of the river onto my dock, taking my <laughs> house hostage mm-hmm. the way it the way it looks. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just been it's been unbelievable. So there may be something to I can't believe the red snapper are the only fish that would react to a hurricane. I'm convinced that hurricanes are part of, of God's plan to stir up the, the natural resources. I've, I've always believed that. There is a function to them, and there is, a, there is something that they provide that the environment needs. Uh, it well, could be. Um, but uh, we've had two in a row. And mm-hmm. uh, I, if you're already seeing a lot of snapper from the first one, it should happen again with this one, I no, would if think. It, if it does, um, then we have to start dealing with a problem of, it, are they a problem that are impacting other fish? they got to be. They, you got to yeah. feed all those snapper cow. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they got to find something to eat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I'm already questioning, you know, I, I know that a lot of the spots that we go to, Scott, have probably got grouper on them. Can't catch them. Nope. You, you can't put down a bait too big for a red snapper to eat. So, uh, you they're know. Prob- they're probably eating those little I, red snappers. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's eating the little red snapper, but I, I know that the red snapper are eating a lot of little something else. Mm-hmm. You know, so. I, I think they're eating everything out there. They just take over once they get in there. They're very aggressive. Yeah. There's no question. They're very territorial. They will run other fish out of a spot. There's mm-hmm. no doubt. I, I got hit again this week with when on earth are we going to open up Goliath Grouper? That's another one that, that when a Goliath Grouper takes over a wreck or something, it, it impacts the other fish. Mm-hmm. You know, we were fishing off of Stewart last summer, Scott, and hooked a Bonita near the bull shark barge, and we literally had a Goliath Grouper greyhound on it. Yeah. I mean, clear the water. I mean, you got to think, 
you know, those fish get what six hundred pounds. You know, sure. three, four, five, six hundred pounds. How much do they eat every day? You know, that's uh, seriously. I mean, that's, that's a lot they probably feed like crazy. And I mean, all those other species are probably taking a big hit when the the goliaths take over those reefs. You would think that they're too slow to. I believe that they were too slow to have a heavy impact on most fish. Until I saw one greyhound no. need a well, bonita. They're not getting that big by eating uh, whatever little crabs. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. They, they got to be eating more than that. There's no doubt about it. Hey, why should you be at the 71st Jacksonville Marine Association Boat Show sponsored by the Visar Credit Union? Life's just better with a boat. Northeast Florida is one of the great boating and fishing destinations in America, and you've missed out on the fun long enough. Whether you dream about a canoe for the smallest creek in Duval, Duval, or a quad-engine high-horsepower ocean-crossing demon, the Jacksonville Marine Association has it on display at the Prime Osborne Center January 26th through the 28th. You want to be a better fisherman? How about seminars by Captain Don Dingman, the star of Hook the Future, and Captain Dennis Young Sr. from Sea Dancer Charters. There's nothing like the smell of new fiberglass to tell me spring is right around the corner. Come set your dreams afloat at the Jacksonville Marine Association 71st Annual Boat Show, January 26th through the 28th, brought to you by Star Credit Union. We will be right back after this. On Sports Radio 930 and SportsRadio930.com. And we are back with more Florida Sports and Magazine live with Scott Jones from Wahoo Fishing Products. Scott, what's going on at Wahoo? Well, we're very busy right now. You know, Wahoo primarily, uh, you know, Wahoo's our private label, but we're actually a, a manufacturer that uh, we manufacture for about 60 different companies. Um, actually, some of the largest tackle companies in the world, including Bass Pro, Cabela's, Sea uh, Striker, um, some of the top names in, in the industry. And uh, we get, we're getting more business every day. Good. Uh, people Good. are... Uh, you know, they trust us to make their products, and we put out a good product. And uh, Where, Where's the plant at? We've got a uh, factory in the Dominican Republic with about 450 employees. You have to go down there often? No, I don't. I'd we, have to go about monthly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> something's wrong with the factory, boss. i got to go. Well, yeah. well and, and also we have a factory in, in Haiti as well. Which no, 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 I don't no, ever have to go to that one. That one works perfectly. You know, uh, there's, I guess there's a word that – describes a country like that but uh we can't say it <laughs> which was recently used no, it's actually and it, it's actually true <laughs> yeah. at, the, at the factory in haiti we have armed guards there all the time but it, it, that's how bad it is so uh, that gives you a little an idea it's amazing that that island it's the same island and uh haiti and if you look at google earth you can distinguish haiti from the dr just because there's no foliage on haiti they have absolutely no trees no nothing they have destroyed the island yeah Yeah. and that's why when they have you know severe rainstorms and stuff they have mudslides and you know massive loss of life and you know it's just a bad situation over there all around plus the the government's very corrupt we we deal with you know shipping in and out of that port is a nightmare why are you utilizing Haiti? I mean, wh- why? Well, you know, it goes back to labor. Um, actually, because he's paying them a dollar a week. <laughs> no, 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 they are, actually. Uh, With the tax we never. The United States. We never have uh, had a, a, an employee over there quit that job because we we pay them more than 
most people make over there, and they also get incentives for because we have a lot of hand tied. Well, all, most of our jigs are hand tied, uh, you know, bucktails and mm-hmm. different types of um, materials, but uh, they, they do a great job. See, that's that's what has always bothered me about this. We need to get back to fishing, but you hear all the snowflakes protesting us having factories in other countries mm-hmm. where they pay the you know the the workers three dollars yeah. whatever it is i don't right. know what the dollar number is and my response has been well are they forced to work there they're not and they're very appreciative you know if you, well, if you have that, a job it, whoa, over whoa, there, whoa, whoa. if that's the case then why is it upset the snowflakes exactly. so they want them there well they you know everything upsets them, so. <laughs> i mean it just doesn't make any sense to yeah, me it's so oh my gosh they use labor from mm-hmm. these sweat farms in haiti yeah. really how many people are lining up to get a job at what we consider a sweat farm in haiti yeah, exactly if they if they had any idea you know they would probably shut up about it because the the people that work there are treated very well and they're very happy that they have that job believe me well, it's it's just you know it's mind-boggling to me, but but anyway, back to fishing. Yes, John, does it seem to you? And I want to ask this question the other day. And oh, by the way, don't forget, um, we have our question out there this morning. What is the bag limit on speckled perch? Okay, that will qualify you for the once a month guy beard drawing. Crappie up north. Yeah, crappie up north. Yeah, <laughs> leave it to the Yankee. Um, <laughs> I heard you use that word earlier. By mistake. <laughs> Everybody makes a mistake every now and then. Okay. Yeah. Everybody makes a mistake every now and it then. It rolled off your lips. <laughs> the one thing that when we got that report from Tony Bazella earlier about yeah. him catching slams yesterday, that meant he had his flounder and stuff. It seems to me, Scott, like there's been more. We always see these little creek flounder in the winter, mm-hmm. but it seems to me like there's been more solid fish this winter. Yeah, um, you know, I haven't caught a lot of them myself, um, but I know people that have. And, and I think the flounder run went a little longer than – and I know it did because I know some guys that were fishing to them real late, you know, up until December that mm-hmm. they were catching good good limits of them and good fish too. I, mm-hmm. I In the wintertime, I don't think I've ever caught what I call a nice – I haven't either, but an awful lot of guys do. Yeah. You, I, I, I just haven't. I've the twelve inchers are the ones that I seem to yeah. every once in a while catch, and that not a lot of those. I mean, there's it's not like it's a oh let's go catch some flounder type of thing. And I just don't see anybody really fishing for them. It, it's really right now you go up out on the water. They're usually either most of them are sheephead fishing is what they're doing. A lot of them are sheephead fishing right now. Mm-hmm. And it's been a very good sheephead season so mm-hmm. far. What, what do you think about the sheephead sizes? It's terrible. Lost? It's terrible. I, I, yeah, let me tell you something. I, and I was talking with Scott about this off the air. I set limits for for my dock and for my boat, mm-hmm. and and that's the limit. Yeah. Okay? For me, the limit on sheephead is, is 15 inches. Mm-hmm. If I stretch out a sheephead and he's 14 inches, I throw him back. Because I believe that the limit should be 15 inches. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think a 12-inch sheephead, a sheephead has such a small yield anyway. Oh, what about a flounder? That's even... It's That's not even a, you a can see through. Flounder. You can see through a 12-inch flounder. Come on. You yeah. couldn't get enough meat off a 12-inch flounder to put it on a cracker. No. I mean, they really need to do something about that size. I mean, like you said, it's 15-inch on a flounder, too. I mean, it, it just it doesn't make any sense. And and nobody agrees with me, but I would reduce the bag limit on flounder. Oh yeah, yeah, and, I think and so I'd reduce too. it on sheep's head. Yep. You know, I I I think the bag limit is too high on them. 
Do I think that they're in trouble? No. But I don't think they're... <laughs> I remember Roger Walker and I catching 56 flounder on one anchor before we ever moved. I know they're sure not like that anymore. Right. Well, why... You know, why make a problem, you know, before one exists? You right. know, just let's keep it in check at least and try to keep it properly managed. I think most fishermen are all for reasonable conservation. Yes. What, yeah. What's your thoughts, Scott, on redfish? I don't like the two fish limit myself. Right. I think it's really hurt our fishing. I don't understand why this part of the state thinks that, you know, I understand South Florida, you know, that's a totally different deal. Um, they definitely don't have as many reds, but you know, like the West Coast Tampa area, their their fishery is pretty much similar to ours as far as redfish. And uh, I do not like the two fish. Uh, I think we should go back to one for sure. Yeah, I do too. Boy, Andrew over at the Black Fly is is adamant about that. Yeah, he, me too. Well, I, I he, you you talk to the guides that are out there. Uh, it's much tougher to catch a fish in the slot right now than it has been there's no doubt no doubt at all how many of your customers want to take home two per person uh mine very few because again i pretty much limit on my boat I, again what what goes and it's not that i will stop anybody from taking two fish if it's theirs you know as far as if yeah, they're they want but but again, I try to talk conservation. I try to talk these kind of things that that you know what I what I've seen out there through all the years of fishing, um, over the last thirty years, and what the redfish have done. We I wouldn't lose one charter. I wouldn't lose anything as far if as it I went back to one. one. Okay, we gotta get out of here for a break. When we get back. We will be talking with uh, Captain Bohall, who's pulling away from the dock now on the Mayport Princess. He'll be checking in with us and a whole lot more when we get back with more Florida Sports Magazine Live right after this. From every piece of water on the first coast, here's the three guys with salt water in their veins and big fish in their dreams. Sports Radio 930. You take four fish every single time you go. You can't tell me that's not hurting it. Oh, my God. You know, I mean, it, it it drives me crazy. You know, it's like God, it's just, you know, over and over. And then that's just one person. That's right. Then, you know, then you throw in, you know, thirty others that are fishing that area, and you know, if they're taking them, I haven't killed a redfish. I bet you, and it's got to be close to ten years. Seriously, I I, I just don't do it. See, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be bottom fishing today with Steve Proctor and David Chris. Mm-hmm. Um, Remind me to tell you something about Steve. They're the two best, two of the best bottom fishermen I know. Mm-hmm. You know what? Neither one. You know what? I've never seen either one of them use. What's that? An anchor. Yeah, yeah. I, they pull up to a spot and just drift it. You you drift it. Yeah. You take maybe one drift. Uh, I've had David when we were snapper fishing. And we could That's the way, way I prefer to do it too. I don't I've like had anchor. David put the put the reel in gear, put the boat in gear when I'm about to get drug over the side of the boat. Mm-hmm. You know, you get your fish up. You want to go? No, that spot's. We're going over here. Yeah. Then we're going over there. Mm-hmm. Then we're going over there. I, I prefer to fish that way, too. Never yeah. overfish the yeah. spot. The fish never knew he was there. Yeah. That's what I, I like to do it that way, too. You know, hey. in, in these... And we are back with more Florida Sports Magazine Live, and we talked right through that break. <laughs> oh, well. Glad we didn't say anything too outrageous. But you know what? I got a little worked up on that, and you did, too. Some of our limits are just stupid. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. 
You know, I mean, it, it, some of them are just crazy. Well, I, I think what we were talking about off the air is never overworking a spot. E- even we limit ourselves. I know, Scott, you do the same thing. I don't go in and pound. I got a big old school of fish. I'm not going to sit there and pound that school of fish. We're going to take a nice fish out of it. If the guy wants to take it home, he can take it home. And now we're on to another spot. Because if you, you know, I, there's so many guys, boy, I used to catch a whole bunch of fish. That, I never catch a fish there anymore. Well, Kyle, if you sit and take them all, they're not going to be any there. I, I, you, but if you manage it as far as what you're doing, uh, you're doing the same thing out there, just like you said with Steve Proctor. You're drifting an area. You, you're going over at one time, take a couple fish, and you go on to the next spot. And it just some of our our laws are just we're just taking too many fish out of the ocean. Well, and 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 keep in mind, there's more boats all the time. Yes, and we have so just off the Richter scale increased the number of capable fishermen mm-hmm. does that make sense oh yeah scott we talk oh there's we, great fishermen all over this oh, okay. city we, we talk about uh the old kingfish tournaments all the time mm-hmm. and i could look at the field and Eliminate show you show you the them. leaderboard oh, yeah. right now yeah. i uh, first off eggs were a big part of it back then first a five fish egg then a three fish egg so that's where the skill was was putting was putting in three or five quality fish and I couldn't tell you how the leaderboard would un- unfold, but I could tell you who would be there. Mm-hmm. Those days are gone. Now, if you're in a 300-boat tournament, 250 of them are capable of winning it. Sure. So, yeah. so just through that, we're taking a lot more fish. Mm-hmm. And, and we've just got to learn. And the point I was making about Steve Proctor and Dave Crisp is, is the fact that they're both great fishermen. And the one piece of equipment I never see either one of them ever use is their anchor. Mm-hmm. Because they go to a spot and they take a couple of good fish off of it. So many of your fish will feed in a pecking order. Mm-hmm. Sea bass uh, stand out to me for that. When we go up to a spot to catch sea bass, you're going to get your big ones in the first one or two drops. Mm-hmm. Okay, Then they're going to fall off to where they're 12 inches. Then you better be out of there and on to the next spot. But there's a lot of fish that do that. You're bigger, more aggressive fish. You get them and you go. And that way, a month later, you can stop by that spot again and get one and go. You know, whereas you don't just sit on it and pound it. Tell you what, we've got one of the premier trout fishermen in Florida on the line, and I want him to chime in on this. Tim, what about overfishing a spot? Definitely a bad thing to do. Mm-hmm. Uh one of the things I always preach is when you go fishing, use a third of your day to explore so you can get more spots. Mm-hmm. Amen to that. Yep. 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 Amen to that. Have you been out this week? No, I have not been fishing at all this week. It's been the weather thing and the work thing. So, um, and the tides really hasn't been right. Uh, oh. I was going to go check it out today. I was going to go check it out this morning. Why? Have you been too busy taking your wife back and forth to work? I mean, is that, is, is that what's going on here? Yeah, I'm just dropping her off right now. I don't <laughs> doubt it a bit, Cap. <laughs> I don't doubt it a bit. Want to make that money? See you later. <laughs> I got you. Oh, that's outstanding. Hey, now, you said the tides weren't quite right this week. We had very weak tides, so you, obviously you like a little stronger tide. Without a doubt. Uh, uh, like uh, when I'm, I'm vert- vertically fishing for a trout or whatever during the winter and uh, – you need to have a tide that's going to pull the, uh, you know, to pull your line out and 
and also get the fish to where they they get on structure. They uh, try to they I try to I try to work spots where I know there's going to be structure and I know there's going to be fish on that structure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, as far as your question for speckled perch, am I allowed to answer for that? Yeah, of course you are. How about twenty-five? Uh, How about bingo? Okay, and and the reason that I wanted to do it was. I fished with a guide um, on Crescent Lake not too long ago who's a great guy, and we had a great time. He shall remain nameless for, for, for this conversation because he said, you know, we can take 100, and it was my brother and I. And and I I assumed it was 50, Tim. We didn't keep anywhere near that many. I think we kept 40. But um, um, I assumed it was 50 per person, but I was incorrect. Yeah, we went. To Santa Fe, uh, it's been about a week and a half ago, and we did okay. We, we probably caught maybe thirty fish, something like that. It wasn't the greatest day, but the fish that we caught were actually like very good quality. Yeah, Santa Fe's got some dandies. Yes, they do. Uh, we did. We mostly drift fished, and uh, we found a couple of uh, uh, brush piles, but we mostly just drift fished. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we you know pick them off here and there, and. On one drift, you might get three or four, or maybe five, but mostly it was just a, a picking here and there thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's also a lot of fun to try different tactics, and uh, you know, your buddy's fishing with a cork, so you're going to fish deep, and it, it's fun to, to to change it up and and uh, catch those fish. It really is. Well, you know what astounded me about him, Tim. The, the the biggest thing that I learned was Scott. We were in 15, 18 feet of water. Fishing three feet down, mm-hmm. he said. Most yeah. people, most people fish near the bottom for specks yeah. in the winter time. Just doing the math, it's cold. All that, that's not right. Really? Yeah. You didn't without a doubt. That. They have like the first four or five feet at most of the water column. Yeah, isn't that weird? That's I, weird. I didn't. I didn't realize that. Hmm. But, uh, there's a lake in in Waldo, Florida, and uh, it's a very good uh, speckled perch. Un, 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 underutilized and very good speckled perch uh, lake. I'm sorry, what was the name of it again? Lake Lake Alto. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, oh, I, th- I think I know where that is. Yeah, it's a very good, very good spot. My, I have a couple. I have some aunts that live down there. Once or twice a year, we we speckle perch, fish, and we probably get you know twenty to forty fish, all of them pounders, a pound and a half fish. That's good fish. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had a guy, I, and Scott, I know you hear more fish stories than anybody, but but I had a guy say, yeah, I got a spot where we get four-pounders all the time. You know, <laughs> all the time. All, all, all the, time. The, yeah, all the time. You know, all you want. You know, we, we, I want to get in his pocket. You know, we, yeah. we throw back threes. You know, Well, I got news for you. The state record's 311, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I saw that the other day. Yeah, if you actually seen a three-pound speckle perch, your eyeballs would pop out of your head. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Because they are jumbos. Yeah, uh, I've never caught a three-pound speckled perch. What, what's the biggest you've ever caught, Tim? Uh, maybe a pound and ten ounces, pound and twelve ounces. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that's a little more realistic. Mm-hmm. And they are really large when they get that size. Oh yeah. yeah. They, uh, you, you hear the stories of having paper mouths. When they get that large, they really can pull the hook. It's the same as uh, trout fishing. When they get that large, they can truly pull the hook. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they have a fairly soft mouth. Extremely soft mouth. Um, my dad uh, taught me how to use a, 
uh, wide pin hooks on the minnows. And when we were kids, we were trying to get a little tiny hook to, you know, let the minnows swim around. And my dad's theory was the larger the hook, the deeper the hook in the fish's mouth. And uh, we didn't go hungry a lot. He was definitely a very good fisherman when it came to that. Oh, that's cool. No, that's... My, father, my dad was a, a substance uh, fisherman when he was young. And uh, when he got older, he, it was funny. He would make the most raggediest rod and reels that you could possibly construct out of five other rods and three other reels. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just so he would make it even for the fish, you know, for yeah. their for their struggle. <laughs> it, it's funny you mention that. Um, I've been reading, a, I'm a Hemingway fan, and I've been reading a book, Hemingway on Fishing. And he said in 50, right just before he died, in 50, get a load of this, Scott, that big game fishing wasn't ex- as exciting to him anymore because the tackle had gotten so good that the fish really didn't stand a chance. That's exactly right. My dad, <laughs> my dad just passed away a couple of years ago, and he just said that so many times. And when I was a kid, I would totally not get it. I mean, I'd be like, uh, Dad, that's the whole idea. He goes, no, no, son. When you go fishing, you go you go to war with fish. He goes, I go fishing with fish. Did you know how crude the tackle was in 1950? It's Unbelievable. I mean, really? And, and Hemingway said that was too advanced. It wasn't fun anymore. No. Wow. <laughs> hey, let me ask you something, Mr. Bridgemaster. Um, yeah. There's a, a, I think he's Russian, a gentleman that fishes off the tall Sisters Creek Bridge with reels that are definitely from another country, okay? I know exactly who you're talking about. You're talking about the fellow that fishes on the Sisters Creek Bridge. That's exactly with right. The, uh, with the flip cast, uh, 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 huge reels that you just, the whole reel spins over and lets the line out. Those, those rods are actually from Switzerland. Okay. All right. Yep. I, I get the feeling, um, is... Is he pretty much a subsistence fisherman? Totally he, subsistence fisherman. Because he yeah. will be up there in any weather. How yeah, I've actually been up? up there. I've actually caught some fish up there, and at times there's very good trout fishing exactly yeah. where he fishes at. And I've drove by, and literally I'm froze, and he is up on the most exposed bridge you could possibly be on on extra drive just going at it well, by himself. What is is he is he fishing for like he's got to be fishing for whiting and croakers and whatever doesn't he because he's bottom yeah. fishing. Bottom fishing with a double rig, a three ounce pyramid wet lead. Yep, without a doubt, substance substance fisherman. Um, he's got a, another couple of guys that I've I've met them on the sawpit bridge and showed them how to trout fish there, and so the next time I. Went there. He I, he was there, and he was fishing for trout on those rod and reels. Wow! And wow. I was like, "Wow, I've seen it all now." Well, and it first off, how many fish do you think he loses between the water and the top of that bridge? I mean, the first time I That's saw like it, I couldn't. I couldn't up. believe it. Yeah, I, I was like, "How's he getting them up?" Even if he catches one. It, 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 if you have to let one go, that's going to be the Greg Luke's Gaines dive of the century. <laughs> <laughs> Can't you see a yellow mouth trout doing the triple Lindy on the way down? Oh, 
It's going to be the quadruple. <laughs> I got you. I got you. Tim, when will the next fight start again? Uh, probably for me, I'm going to start Wednesday. Uh, the the tide just starts to pick up a little bit. Um, my friend went back in the back of clapboard with his kayak over the weekend with very little, or over the week, because the tides were weak. And they did rather well on the redfish, but they had to get all the way back on the afternoon low tide. Mm-hmm. And uh, they did well, though. I'll they had bet. a nice 24 to you know, 25 inch fish. Ah, uh, good deal. Now, Tim, Wednesday, I'm just looking at, well, Wednesday still looks pretty good. It's not until. I guess late in the week. Uh, looks like late Thursday we got another northeaster coming in over next uh, weekend. Mm-mm. Well, it'll probably be if it comes in that day. It'll probably be here for three days, at least. I doubt it would be as strong as the one that we've seen just go by. But yeah, yeah don't count on it this winter. Yeah, you never know with this winter. It's been a little crazy, hasn't it? Yep. All right, Tim. As always, we so appreciate it. Absolutely. As usual, keep him in your heart, and uh, he will take care of you. Absolutely, he will. Thank you, Tim. We appreciate it. Yes, sir. All right, calling up the Mayport Princess. Can you read me, Bo? <laughs> good morning. How you doing? How you doing? <laughs> doing good. We're finally fishing. We finally got a break. It's about uh, time. Yes, sir. I'm leaving the inlet right now. I'm just now pulling out of the, uh, the jetties, and uh, it's, I mean, it's as nice as you could get. It's uh, nice and flat. Fly breeze, probably enough to hold me on anchor, and uh, and I'm good with that. I'm 30 minutes you. behind you, Cap. 30 minutes behind me. I got you. Roger, Roger. All right, well, hadn't talked to you guys in a while. We hadn't really been fishing too much. A lot of bad weather, and it seems to be on that schedule where it's hitting us on the weekends. Now, I saw a picture of one of your crewmen with a 19-inch bass. That Yes, sir. That was not from that day, was it? Um, the day I put that up, I believe it was the day before, maybe two days before I put that picture up there. Um, yeah, that was a, that was a, that was a true 19 and a half inch sea bass. And, and, you know, I've heard a lot of people saying they catch 19 inch and 20 inch sea bass the past couple weeks. Well, I haven't seen any of them, nor nor have I seen any plays of them. So, uh, we caught a couple of them that day. It still wasn't that heavy of a sea bass day. We maybe, you know, for a boat of 35 people, we probably had, you know, probably 30 or 40 sea bass and uh, a lot of small ones moving back. So we're going to make a stop again today in shore and uh, see if those sea bass are, are moved in finally. And if not, we may just not have that big of a sea bass here if they're not in by now. They're coming. Know, they're they're, they're coming. Come. They're coming. I'm absolutely convinced they're coming. they got to yeah. get here. Well, I hope so. I hope they're, I hope they're just uh, delayed in traffic or something um, because we, we, we really like catching them. It's definitely a bonus fish to have on the boat, but uh, we're going to make a few stops today, and uh, we're like I said, we're headed out. we got about 35 people on the boat. Everybody's wearing a jacket and then another jacket, and uh, hopefully it'll warm up here about 9 a.m. Yeah, Bo, i got to ask you a question. If you haven't seen a whole lot of 20-inch sea bass, have you seen a lot of four-pound speckled perch or five-pound beeliners? Say that last part. <laughs> now, we were having a conversation earlier, a guy – Told me he catches four pound specks all the time, and I'm, I'm thinking, oh, wow. yeah, okay. I'm, I'm thinking, wait a minute now, because I've also got a buddy of mine that got on a school of three to five pound beeliners the other day, and I'm like, wait a minute now, I've been Man. fishing a long time. <laughs> that's some hellacious beeliners, if that's the case, and hopefully uh, after the game on Sunday when the Jaguars win, I'll be headed out to commercial fish, and uh, hopefully we see some of those three to five pounds, but. Uh, <laughs> 
I heard you. I heard you talking to somebody earlier about fishing up there on the bridge, and I was wondering what kept hitting the water around me the other day when I was sheepshead fishing. And I guess it was that guy releasing fish, huh? Yeah, yeah, it might have been. It might have been. <laughs> but I tell you, I'd hate to be that fish on the way down. Whoa! Yeah, 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 that's right. No doubt about it. But um, yeah, man, this season's been real good for us. Um, you know, we're starting to starting to drop down to to weekends, Saturdays and Sundays. Um, you know, we had a we had a really good year. You know, the Kobe were great. They came in. You know, uh, usually about when we catch them, and we caught a handful of them. We did good, and uh, sea liners have stayed real strong for us all year. I mean, it's just we're just been super blessed with a real good fishery for the Vermilion Snapper. And uh, you know, we had those couple of strong weeks of uh, trigger fishing this summer, but other than that, we haven't really seen any. And uh, you know, catching bee liners. Uh, you know, you catch some board, catching a lot of ringtails offshore with it. Um, on some of that inshore stuff, the East 18, and, and you know a little bit in closer than that, catching a lot of the ring t- or spot tail pinfish, I guess if you want to go by the technical name of them, but um, plenty of ring tails and you know, sea bass, bee liners. Um, you know the jacks, you're probably not going to see them right now, but um, come next month we'll be back for the Friday, Saturday, Sundays, and uh, you know if anybody wants to come out, plenty of room. Both boats are up and running, and uh, we're just waiting on the weather to go fishing. Oh, I got to tell you, I'm of the opinion that ringtails get a bad name. Uh, ringtails, if you've ever flayed one out and eaten it, ringtails pretty darn good eating. Yeah, there's absolutely nothing wrong with them. I mean, I would put it up there as, you know, table fare easily. Um, you know, it's, it's in my eyes, it's kind of like, a, you know, it's a porgy. I mean, you got your sheep's head, your white bones, your red porgies. I mean, it all looks the same when you flay it. The only thing with, uh, you know, the ringtails or spot tails, as you call them, is, is just learn how to play them right. You know, they got a big rib cage and they got those small pin bones, just like a porgy or sheep's head. So, you know, if you're going to take your time and play them right, I mean, I, you know, we we catch plenty of them and we keep plenty of them and I play plenty of them. So, yeah, um, I, I I'm I'm with you on that. I think it's something that a lot of people just throw away. Um, but you know, if you're out there and you're catching your limits and you catching stuff like that as bycatch mixed in with it, you know, why wouldn't you keep it? Let me tell you, one of the most fun fishing uh, methods and, and trips I ever made was with Butch Garvin. Scott, we took speckled perch tackle. I mean, true mm-hmm. speckled perch tackle. A little bitty cork, split shot sinker, tiny piece of shrimp on a long shank hook. And in February, drifted it over the tops of the jetties. And, son, there are a million spawning ringtails. Mm-hmm. And they are the biggest, fattest ringtails you'll find. Outstanding eating. Yeah, they're good. They're a good fish, man. Especially on the light tackle, like you said, you know, fishing those little, you know, wooden corks or or how whatever you want to fish with. But um, you know, it is fun to do. You know, light tackle, like you said, a real light tackle, and uh, you know, you're you're fishing on top of those rocks. You know, I hate to switch from offshore to inshore, but you know, I do a good bit of inshore too. And you're right. You know, you you drift across the top of those. You're either going to catch your ringtails, you're going to catch big pinfish, obviously, but you might find some mangoes mixed in with it, and. Uh, you know, it's it's a fun it's a fun time. I mean, everybody likes seeing a bobber go under. If you don't, you're not a fisherman. That's right. Yeah, you're exactly right. I oftentimes wonder if you guys, with Snapper being closed so much, now you have built your business back up, and I, I always have wondered, would it work to have a boat like yours, or maybe even a smaller boat, to where you literally ran two halves? And you, you know, maybe you did whiting down the beach on spinning rods, or maybe you did uh, ringtails at your close-in wrecks. And then, you know, it, are there not just people? And you see it on other coasts. You see it over the West Coast all the time at John's Pass. Oh yeah. 
They've got Absolutely. boats that make, make two four-hour trips with light, light tackle, and they go out and they catch these West Coast grunts, and the people are just happy as they can be with a stringer full of them. No, you're absolutely right. Um, there's plenty of boats over there that do it. You know, there's boats just south of us, or not just south of us, but a little bit further south of us that do it. And, I mean, it's a fishery, you know. I mean, people want to catch fish. And, I mean, you know, we all love to go out and catch big fish, you know, all the time. But, I mean, uh, in my eyes, you know, fishing's fishing. I do like having big fish on the boat. But um, hopefully this year uh, we have a lot of things in the works with the company. Um, you know, we have a – uh, we have something going on with, the, you know, the marina and, and getting something built. And uh, hopefully we might be adding a few more, you know, smaller boats to this coming season or next season to the fleet. And, uh, you know, doing trips like that is definitely something in my eyes that I'd like to have on the back burner and something in the reserve to do, uh, especially for the times of year we don't have a full boat. You know, we have 20 people. We have, you know, 15 people that want to go. And usually it takes 15 to 20 people to take the big boats. Um, but, you know, if we have something just a little bit smaller, uh, something we can load those people up and then be, have a little bit more variety of the fishery we can do. Um, I think there is something to it for us uh, in the future as far as fishing those inshore wrecks. You know, I mean, inshore wrecks for sheephead, you know. I mean, you I'm bet. not going to dig dig too far into that, but, you know, there's plenty of fishing you could do uh, in close. And as long as you, you know, I don't want to say market it, but promote it as what it is and, uh, you know, go out there and say this is what we're expecting. And, uh, you know, if we catch, you know, Covia or Snapper or Grouper mixed in, that's cool. But, but what we're going for today, this is what it is. You know what I mean? And I think those people will be very open to doing so. You got it. And I wish when you build that smaller boat, you dock it near my house, because then when you get in from your half a day, you can take me to lunch every day. Yeah, that's right. Hey, I'm all about it, man. That's for sure. <laughs> I got you both. Thank you, Cap. Be careful, and I'll talk to you later on in the day. Yes, sir. You guys have a good one, man. All right. More that's Captain Bohall from the Maypore Princess. Listen, it's no secret that it's just better to deal with good local family businesses. When you can talk to the man on the phone that actually does the work, seems like the whole process just gets easier. That's why we're just so pleased to welcome Stacy and Devin Durrance with Durrance Tree Service to our show. We know that if you call the Durance boys with any tree problems you've got, your problems are over. Trees trimmed, removed, and taken away. There's no tree they can't handle. Durance Tree Service has all the ability, tools, and integrity you need to scratch tree problems off your list. That's Durance Tree Service. Give them a call at 449-2848 and tell your tree problems goodbye. We will be right back after this. And we are back with more Florida Sports Magazine Live. The winner of today's Guy Beard, he will be one of four, is Mudman Tim. He answered the question correctly by telling us that the limit on speckled perch, what is the, what is the Yankee name? Uh, not the, but what is the actual name of a speckled perch? Crappie. You know, no. He has a, another connotation other than that. Got me. Uh-huh. Smarter than both of you. It's black crappie. What? Did you know there are black crappie and white oh, crappie? Oh, yeah, I did. Mm-hmm. Well, you didn't answer the question. Well, I didn't know you were answering or asking about two different species. Crappie is the name. There's a white one and there's a black That's one. Right. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I don't know if there's biracial crappies or not. Let's go to Fernandina and talk to Connor. Good morning, Connor. How are you? Um, good morning. How are you, How are you, my boy? I'm doing good. Good. Um, so, um... Um, so, um, uh, I'm going to start out with the fishing report. Okay, let me hear it. Um, so I just talked to Captain Brian Susie, and he said that, um, he's, um, 
been catching a lot of trout lately. Um, and he's been fishing deep and slow with a float, and he's been letting it go down deep. Um, and then he said that he's been fishing around structure for redfish, and he said that um, um, he's been catching 18 and 19 inch redfish. And then he and then he said that all of a sudden he's been um, um, catching um, um, 27, 28 inch reds. Uh, that's outstanding. Yeah, that's outstanding. It, there's there's no question there's plenty of reds around, Connor. It's just that when it gets brutally cold like it has been the last few days, it's hard to get them to bite. Um, 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 okay. Um, um, do you guys have time for two more questions? Yes, sir. Go ahead. Um, so, um, 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 so one of my friends, so, so one of my best friends, um, friends that's an adult, um, um, he fishes for stripers quite often uh-huh. um, in the St. Mary's River and places. And he said that, um, um, and he said that in the upper Nassau River, like at the railroad bridge, like, like, like Hatton Brick said they catch stripers there. Um, 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 he told my best friend that um, there's um, a few stripers there, but there's not a lot. Right, right. It. We're not catching stripers like we used to, are we, John? No, we're not. Uh, but that is one of the prime areas, anywhere from Lofton Creek all the way up to the railroad bridge uh, during the winter uh, in the Nassau River. If, if you're going to target them, that's the area you're going to go to. But, no, it, I think our population is down somewhat. Now, uh, Scott, weren't they originally, uh, and I don't know the answer to this, but I've, I've, I've got this stuck in my head for some reason. Weren't, weren't they originally... Um, uh, how released here? I mean, didn't didn't we we didn't have a natural population of them? Yeah, didn't, we did. didn't we introduce them here? We did have a natural population. Yeah, yeah. And just for whatever reason, they haven't. Caught yeah, on. really, the Nassau River, St. Mary's River, those are the southernmost boundaries of the run of the stripers. Uh, there were a few in the St. Johns River as well, but uh, it it. it uh, you're on the edge, and what they tried to do is actually try to populate, uh, try to increase that run by putting some fish in, and by doing that, we've had a few more. But I don't think that they've actually stocked any for the last few years. So, anyway, that's the area, uh, Connor, that, that I would uh, be at, okay, is in that okay, area. Okay, um, um, um. Do you guys think that at the railroad bridge of the Nassau River um, or in the upper Nassau River um, um, that, that there's a good bit of strikers there this time of year? Well, this is the prime time. Starting in December through about February is the prime time for that area. Uh, um, and with the cold weather, they like cold weather. Um, they like the colder temperatures. So, yes, your chances. I, I'm just not saying there's a whole bunch of them there. Let's go. But your chances of catching a striper are best in that area. Okay. Um. 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 And um. And also um. Um. That, that same friend of my best friend, um, Jackson's friend. Um. Um. He also he also told my best friend. Um. Um. He also told my best friend, um, Jackson. Um. That. Um. That the biggest striper he's caught it in the in the upper Nassau River is thirty inches. Yeah, that's a beauty. That, that's a really nice striper. Um, yeah. Um, I so, caught a twenty four. Um, I caught a twenty four inch striper one time in um the St. Mary's River. Mm-hmm. That's very good. You said you had another question, Connor. 
Yes, I do. Um, I have a question to ask um, Captain Rick. Well, Captain Rick has stepped away, Connor. He is gone fishing. His mind was not on the, on the radio show. His mind was offshore, and that's where he's headed to. Um, okay. Um, all right. Well, um, all Connor, right, well, we appreciate your reports every week. Thanks for calling in. Uh, all right. All right. You, got, you guys are welcome. All right. See you guys. Bye. Have a good day. Have a good day. We're going to have to step aside for a short break. We'll be right back with uh, Florida Sportsman Live right after these words from our sponsors. And we are back. Give us a call at 448-0930. Boy, it sure did feel good to sleep in this morning. Mm-hmm. Yep. You got the right shirt on. I do? Yes. Yep. Jaguars. <clears throat> you know, I picked this shirt up this morning, and, and it's kind of like a, a sweatshirt. And I looked at it and I said, that shirt's been to Africa. It's been to Wyoming. It's been fishing numerous times. It's about wore out. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's, it works. Is, is, it good, <laughs> is it good luck for the Jaguar? <laughs> well, I don't I, It's warm. <laughs> you know? That's all I was looking at, uh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. So how's it going? Cold. You're cold? Mm. Yeah. You're, you're real cold? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, you went fishing. I, I, you know, I didn't hear the first part of the show. I was, kind of, I slept in. Yeah. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, yesterday was uh, 47.8 in the creek. Yeah, man. It, you know, it, it's uh, a couple of years ago. John and Rick were asking me, "What's the, what's the lowest you've ever seen?" It? And I've seen it down like 43. I and have too. I mean, I know we've had ice on the ICW before, but I mean, I, you know, obviously it gets really, really chilly at times, but. Normally, we don't have ice on the ICW, mm-hmm. and normally we'll get down in the low 40s uh, on a cold winter. You yeah, know? this is this is definitely one of those. This is one of those, and you know, there's a good, there's good and bad about it. I mean, the bad is, you know, we got fish floating. Uh, the good is we won't have mosquitoes flying as much. And as we were talking earlier, it just seems like after we have a real cold winter, the the fishing seems to be pretty good you know well, in the spring it, and summer well it, it'll get back into its norm mm-hmm. and and that's well i'm looking forward to that yeah me too because it's so cold right now i don't even want to go and look at the whiting the john you look at the surf fishing it's not i mean you, you go up to the beach i was up at the beach walking on the beach yesterday afternoon mm-hmm. nobody out there fishing and it was beautiful well you know we, we it just needs to stabilize. You have a little bit warmer and stabilize for a few days. And this week, it could be that. We're going to have highs in the mid-60s. Yes, we are. Um, yes. And it's going to be light winds up and through about Wednesday into mm-hmm. Thursday. Uh, the sun is supposed to be out shining, which can warm up the mud flats that are out there. I think there's going to be some fairly decent fishing this week coming up yeah there probably will be it probably will be i know uh, this time of year normally for surf fishing for whiting is very slow and it's small fish if you get them mm-hmm. um and that being said skip offer to probably go up to talbot and catch a, a boatload of monsters but don't don't they in the winter time sometimes get on those whiting in the deeper runs? yeah and that's what i was i was getting ready to go right there this is the time of year when you take the boat to st augustine and you get up in there near the fort, and you get in that deep well before you get to the fort, and you get in that deep run right there, and that's where they they gang up in that deeper water, I guess, to stay warmer. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I, we were talking know. we were talking earlier why the fish in the winter time seem to congregate together, tighter yeah, tighter yeah. areas. Um, it 
sometimes I and we had a whole bunch of theories earlier, but another one might be that is the area where it might be a degree warmer, and so they concentrate into that particular whether it's a deep hole or whatever it is. Water temperatures might be a little bit warmer in that spot, so everybody goes yeah, to that, that spot. That's pretty much got to be what it is. I mean, why else would they do that? They're not mating. It's not well, spawning season. Yeah, yeah. Well, I should say mating. Well, what we were talking about with reds mm-hmm. was that. Ricky brought up the idea of, of predators uh, being a dolphin are still out there or, uh, you know, porpoises are still out there. But deep holes not going to bother them. Well, no, but up in the shallows. Uh, yeah. we, we, we're finding fish that are grouped together. They're not grouping together because of warmth. You know, the reds will be side by side by side mm-hmm. sometimes and hardly move at all. Uh, maybe they're in groups, uh, you know, because they're 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 got more chance to be protected is if there's more more eyes eyes. Mm -hmm. more eyes Mm -hmm. you know it's like uh it's like hunting in africa Mm -hmm. you go you go to africa and you go oh that's a beautiful sable over there if we can just get to him well you can't get to him Mm -hmm. you know there's too many eyes yeah 50 sets of eyes are going whoops hey hunter alert yeah you know that kind of deal so Mm -hmm. it makes it tough Mm -hmm. especially if you're hunting with a bow and arrow you know because you got to get really close then Mm-hmm. You know, one of those things, but but uh, the, the reds that are sitting up there on the flats, yeah. I mean, and and they're side by side by side. You say, yeah, yeah, okay. Well, this time of year, the water's clear. You can see them. You can see them, but they'll be laying there, and just like Scott said earlier, is that you bump them and they move thirty feet. You know, and lay right back down again. They don't want to move. They do no, they must not, because if you if you bump them, most of the time they're gone. Yeah, they're gone. in the summertime you'll never see them again. But you, literally, you can bump them up, and they they move a few feet, and they sit they sit right back down. Mm-hmm. In fact, my, my son and I were out yesterday afternoon, low tide, and we found a good group of them. And we kind of ran over them. We had a bad angle on the sun. We didn't see them until we actually right. ran over them. And we pushed a whole bunch of them up way up on a flat where I couldn't quite get to them. So we fished another area for about an hour. We came back, let them settle back down, and they were right back where they were earlier. Oh, wow. Yeah, they just they want. They like that spot. Yeah, I think it has to do with the angle of the sun. They were kind of sitting in that sun on the on low you know, in a big flat. And, mm-hmm. But they're not. You, you could probably go back for the next couple of days and they're not going to even move in from that little area at all i think they're just too cold and they're not going to use that energy and they're not biting well yesterday they weren't the school that we were on uh mm-hmm. zach had a good one and uh, other than that it was uh you know we threw and threw a perfect cast at them they were going oh, right yeah. over it yeah. you know they just didn't want to eat but uh a week and a half before that Water temperature was a couple of degrees warmer, and they were just nonstop chewing. We actually even at low tide, we were on a school of fish that were tailing and all happy like it was the middle of summertime. Mm-hmm. It was 52, 53 degrees maybe, mm-hmm. and we had bites the entire low tide. I mean, they were just, I mean, really aggressive. I was surprised. Well, like John's saying, this coming up week, you'll probably have the same thing return. Yeah, we get a couple bumps uh, up in the temperature. Mm-hmm. I think it'll start doing that again as well. Mm-hmm. I had, had an interesting conversation this morning um, uh, before I came in, and, and basically it was with uh, Roger Beal. Mm-hmm. That was got, a long conversation. It, it was. <laughs> well, it started to be. Uh, anyway, uh, uh, he was talking about uh, the charter boat fleet and the Keys, mm-hmm. and you were just in the Keys. I was. I was down all last week yeah. or this week. Yeah, and and uh, and it appears that uh, the the head boats in particular are starting to feel the pain, so to speak, uh, of uh, of the limits and all mm-hmm. of the South Atlantic and I guess the Gulf uh, 
fishery management people. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he said some of them are starting to go out of business because there's no fish for, that they can catch and keep. Right. And, and they got clients that want to keep fish. I mean, obviously we do too. And, sure. And, uh, and I had to tell him, hopefully he'll hear this and call in and tell us uh, his, his feelings and his talk with a charter boat captain. But uh, basically, it, I, I told him I had no sympathy. I had no, I really don't. Mm-hmm. And the reason I don't, you know, with these guys down there and, and, and God bless them, but I have no sympathy because when this stuff started with us and John will, he'll verify, I'm sitting there saying, we got to get the keys involved. We got to get, we got a band together. Yeah. And those guys were going, no, 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 no. We got 17 kinds of grouper down here. We don't care if they take gags away. Yeah. You know, we didn't remember. Yeah. I remember. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, and I'm I'm going. Oh, we we got to get these guys involved. No, 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 no. They didn't want any part of it. Anyway, uh, long story short is they're starting to get hammered down there right now with the fish. Uh, supposedly, uh, trigger fish are closed. Uh, they're counting yellowtail as part of the ten fish uh, snapper aggregate, and and uh, they said the good news is that they've got red snapper have come back. They used to have them years ago, according to this guy, and he was one of the old timers. Mm-hmm. And they used to have them. They got fished out. Now they're coming back, but they can't catch them because the state won't let them. Right. So, you know, they're in a catch-22 like we are. Plenty of fish won't let you go fishing. Um, it, well, you can go fishing. You just can't keep anything. And if you can't keep anything, he's got he's not got clients to get on the boat. Anyway, just a, just a thought, you know, uh, uh, what comes around sometimes will go around. Guys, we got to step aside for a short break. When we get back, we'll take your phone calls at 448-0930. You're listening to the Florida Sportsman Live on Sports Radio 930. And if you want to be part of the show, give us a call at 448-0930. Back to the keys real quick. Don't get me wrong. I understand they took a butt whipping. Uh, they did. <clears throat> I mean, there was a major butt whipping with that hurricane. Uh, and and we've sent relief stuff down there. So, I mean, we're, <clears throat> excuse me, we're for you down in the keys, but... Man, I'm not for you in the fisheries because I, I mean I am really, but I'm, I, I still well, got a stick in my craw. What you're trying crawl. to say is we we need <clears throat> to be together, and and, yes. and when we needed those guys down there, they weren't there for us. Right, right, exactly. So, yeah. So, but anyway, I I think part of the problem down there is not even the fish or ones that they can't catch. When you have a lack of people. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's that's the main issue they're having. Well, right you now. were just there. Yeah, what would you see? Well, I didn't see anything. That was the uh, that's the problem they're having right now. You know, the uh, majority of the damage is really isolated to about thirty miles between uh, Marathon and Big Pine. You know, the Upper Keys are mm-hmm. really you know they're they're going strong. You know, as far as everything being open, um, the hotels on the ocean side, a lot of those are still getting repaired, and uh, Key West was. I mean, you really couldn't even tell a storm went through there other than, you know, the gas station signs blown out and everything. But structurally, the, the housing and, and stuff like that looked really good. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's, yeah, I guess, the perception in the media and everything that, you know, the entire Keys got destroyed, which is not the case. So people aren't going down there. You know, typically in the middle of January, it's wall-to-wall people. And I was going up and down US one like uh, it was. I mean, there was nobody there. It was really strange to see, and it's, uh, it's definitely affecting the fishing industry. Well, that's probably what's happening with with a lot of the uh, head boats. There's nobody there to go. Oh yeah, that's it. The, the tackle stores are the same way. I, I I went in, you know, every store from Key Largo to Key West, and 
majority of them, I went in. There's nobody in there. I mean, that's mm-hmm. how slow and that's it unusual, is, especially this time of year. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, they, they just need the people to come. You know, the hotels are getting up and running, but they're still you know, you know, probably 30, 40 percent of the ho- bigger hotels are still being repaired. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Not selling very many uh, Wahoo jigs down there, are you? No, I mean, you know, we actually uh, tackle center of Isla Mirada, which is uh, really probably the biggest one down there. They just Mm -hmm. their place got hit pretty good and they reopened a a new location about a mile down from where they were. And uh, they had a grand reopening when I was down there. Mm -hmm. Uh, Really well attended, but it was all mostly local guys. Um, But uh, Donnie down there, the owner, uh, just put in a huge order for me. So uh, we'll be taking care of him. And and we deal with uh, another one down in Big Pine, Cudjo Sales, big operation. And they're kind of supplying everybody right now and uh you know that we've been taking care of them as yeah, well yeah well, i imagine the guys are glad to see a tackle shop opening back up right? yeah yeah it's uh well, it's I a mean, good sign you gotta you, you don't want to have to drive 90 miles or right. whatever to or 100 i don't even know how far it is to miami from down there but you don't want to do that well you don't want to go to miami anyway <laughs> just yeah. to, <laughs> i don't want to go to miami yeah and i just went to miami and that just reaffirmed why i don't want to go to miami i feel the same way <clears throat> You know, we left in rush hour traffic. Oh gosh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't, that's a kind of oxymoron, isn't it? Because it's not. No, it's no, not. There's no rush to it. No, well, they're rushing to get in line to yeah, park. Basically, exactly. yeah. I mean, it, it was. It took. Uh, oh, what was it? Two hours to get to West Palm. Mm-hmm. You know that yeah. kind of thing. So I mean, you know, just a little slow, a little mm-hmm. slow. Johnny, you fished this week? No, I didn't. You didn't. Mm-hmm. How about David? David. Uh, David spent the whole week uh, out at his land hunting. hunting and did he did he get the pie ball? No, he he didn't take anything uh, this week. He mainly looked on the camera and uh, watched him. A little um, chilly, huh? A little chilly. Um, the the pie ball and the smaller one, right? They uh, came uh, were coming in uh, early. Uh, Five thirty is yeah. when they were com- coming in, and they were coming in together. Uh, is what they were doing yeah uh, the the two deer together doesn't see that all and i was going to ask you about that do in the winter time do the bucks uh they don't get in as big a groups as they do the bachelor groups and yeah. you know before they go into rut and all in the in the summer late summer they'll be in bachelor groups you'll see the does with the yearlings you know together and you'll see the the bucks all together uh and the, and they're relatively tame but when those hormones start raging and they you know it starts to get ready to go into rut and it's every man for himself then. Scott, it, it's real interesting. Mm-hmm. David's uh, had this camera on this area, yeah. you know, 24-7 right. uh, for the last four years. Oh, wow. And the the thing we were talking about this week is how as these big bucks are, these bucks matured over the last four years, mm. their feeding patterns have changed. It was very common for them to come into the feeder after light or after daylight right, when, when they, they were, were young. younger. Yes. Mm-hmm. And as they've gotten older, <laughs> the amount of times that they have come into the feeder during the daytime is very limited, if at all. They will only come into the feeder in the dark. And so it's pretty interesting how that changes their feeding behavior and everything changes through the years. And I, I bought a, a hundred acre piece of uh, property over by Palatka one time. Mm-hmm. 
And the first thing I did was go and talk to the neighbors, you know, and I had this one neighbor that uh, was out there and, and he had a feeder in his front yard. So, I mean, that's the guy I really want to talk to. Mm-hmm. What are you seeing? Oh man, there's, there's a ton of deer. And there were, there were a ton of deer over there. It's uh, by Etnac uh, State Park. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it in this piece of property jutted up inside the state park. And I said, well, well, what are you seeing? He goes, oh, man, we got a big buck over here at Nine Point. He's a big one. I said, oh, yeah? He goes, yeah. He said, I've been watching him for several years He's as he's grown up. He goes, but you're never going to see him. I said, what are you talking about? He said, well, when it gets to hunting season, he doesn't come out till like 30 minutes after dark. <laughs> and during the summer, yeah, he's there in the daylight. Yeah. You know, they, they're, they're not – they're smart. They're smart. Yeah. Yeah, they're really smart. I was just, I, I, I think it just, uh, you, you know, it, we, we relate it to hunting season, but I, I think it's just their natural way of life. In other words, they get more protect. They know they're safer during the, you know, the night hours. There's nobody around, you know, that kind of thing. And, and uh, it's just a, a way of nature that uh, protects them. You know, I think they, I think they know what the gig is. Do I mean, I, how many times have you heard of people that were in a stand, and they'd be sitting there watching, and all of a sudden a deer would walk and and he walk in the area, a big buck, and he'd look up and see the guy in the stand, and he'd crouch down and start belly crawling. You, I've heard of that. You heard really? of that? Oh yeah, oh yeah. So they know, they know. Guys, we got to step aside for the top of the hour break. When we get back, we'll take your calls at four four eight. We'll continue some of this talk, and we'll be back with more Florida Sportsman Live right after this. Boy, and take a trip into the great outdoors. Get ready for your up to the minute fishing report from every piece of water on the first coast. Here's the three guys with salt water in their veins and big fish in their dreams. Sports Radio 930. And we are back. Yeah, John, uh, John they will. I, I think they're smarter than we think. I mean, uh, it's how many times you've been sitting in the stand, and this is why I don't like condo stands. How many times you've been sitting in a condo stand? And a deer walks out and looks straight at you. Yeah, that's true. And 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 uh, and a lot of them will turn around and walk back in the woods when they see that there's somebody in the stand. Hmm. If there's nobody in the stand, they come out and feed. Yeah, there, I, there's obviously a great deal of intelligence or somewhat mm, oh, survival yeah. intelligence. Yeah, yeah there let's is. Call, call it uh, when, when you're when you're out there. And you know what? We see it in fish too. I mean how I mean it's a it's amazing what's happened I think with our redfish mm-hmm. over the last more boats coming in you push in and they're I, usually they're especially in the warmer weather that you have to really really be quiet approaching these fish cuz they will take off with the slightest, slightest. noise mm-hmm. or, or wake movement right. or water Absolutely. movement and and how are you going to come in and not move the water it's very difficult. Very difficult. Well, very we, difficult. You know, the the fish have gotten so spooky that, uh, you know, we found that, especially at low tide, the, you know, if you're able to pull, that's absolutely the way to go. And you got to shut down way before you approach them, you know, so you're not sending a shock wave through the flat, mm-hmm. and uh, just be very stealthy. It's just it's basically hunting, you know, until you get there. And well, 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 what it is, it, it's it's a small scale harping fishing in the flats in Homosassa. Because, mm-hmm. buddy, I tell you what, we were out fishing over there one time, and there was one boat way far away from us. And Mike Wright was a guide, and, and he goes, ooh, pulls back the throttle. Mm-hmm. So what are you doing? He says, 
He goes, well, we got a pole in from here. I yeah. said, what do you mean we got a pole in? I mean, in the flat that we're going to fish way over there where that boat is? He goes, yep. Yep. That's it what is. you got to do. That's what it's, well, it's getting to right it, now. It's, I even see it in, the, you know, we have tailing reds in the fall mm-hmm. that come up onto mm-hmm. the flats looking for the fiddler crabs, and we get out of the boat yeah. uh, to sneak up to them. Mm-hmm. And if I have an angler that is careless in his waiting and what i mean by careless in his waiting is putting out a wake in front of him with the movement of his legs elephant feet yeah and just that water moving that wake hits that fish and the tail goes down and the fish Gone. disappears mm-hmm. yeah. and you go oh man i i mean we're, we're talking about stealth walking up to no him. i, I oh, agree yeah. Because well, they, they know too. Yeah. I, I, I'll end this particular second uh, segment of, of this conversation like this. Y'all are letting too many of them go. They're they're trained. Yeah, <laughs> that might. Yeah. <laughs> that one, no, we know that's not true. Don, good morning. Good morning, man. Tell us what's going on down in St. Augustine. Oh, lots of redfish, lots of trout. Yeah, well, that's that's good. I mean, uh, you know, yeah, the, well, was, it was yesterday. Uh, uh, any good ones? Uh, what's the biggest one? I I don't know. I heard of seventy pounders. Yeah, seventy eight. I think uh, I think uh, Fraddle. I yeah, Frat House got a seventy eight. I saw that one. That looked like a good fish. That is a good fish. Eight, 80, 78, 80 pound fish is a fine fish. Bunch of them out there today. Yeah, they they a lot of them went out of here too. So it'll be interesting to yeah. see what they come in with. Uh, we had a good redfish and trout bite earlier this week. We went out Tuesday. We probably caught thirty reds, maybe twenty trout. Wow. About four hours, so. That's not bad. Now, what what are you doing to catch them? You dead it's sticker? all artificial. Artificial? Mm-hmm. Really? You're playing by the rules, then. Playing by the rules. Now, tell us about the water depth that you're finding these fish in. We were fishing probably two hours after high tide on a fallen. Okay. And just about every creek we went into and, and fished the little feeders coming out, we caught fish. Hmm. I mean, we, we stopped four places, you know. I mean, now, out of that 30, there's probably only about five or six that were in the slot. Most of them were small. That's all right. But we had a lot of fun, so, yeah. Did you notice that with your artificials you had a slowdown, or? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you fish them slower. Yeah. Yeah, I tried some new stuff this week, and it worked really good, so. Oh. Okay. Oh. We, we need to know. Oh, you're peaking okay. our, peaking yeah, well, our interest. It's a Storm 3-inch swim shad. Yeah. Okay. In a white. Huh. And it fished just as good as the gulp did. Did it really? I was surprised, yeah. That storm is a good bait, though. It, it is a, a very good bait. And one bait lasts you all day. <laughs> That's even better. <laughs> that is better, uh, yeah. Fred Morrow and I like that. Yeah, my partner, he's gone through six gulps, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, Ricky is kind of, he's kind of partial to gulp. He likes gulp. Oh, I do too. Yeah. You, you know, obviously, you think it gives you more bites than regular plastic. I do. Yeah, he does too, and and he runs me like a redheaded stepchild every time he fishes gulp, and I don't. Yeah, well, I, I like him too. You got yeah. if you don't fish it slow, you can forget about it. Right now, yeah, yeah, truly. Now you 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 were using the three inch, not the four inch. Three inch, yeah. Okay. Winter time, I you know it's always good to go smaller. I think. Well, you're catching a lot of smaller rats, too. Yeah, that's yeah, true. E- well, even with the bigger fish, you know. What are they eating, you know? Grass shrimp and that, I mean. Yeah. 
Little stuff. Little yep, stuff. They're eating little stuff in the wintertime, mm-hmm. I feel. So mm-hmm. even with shrimp, you know, if you're using live shrimp, a smaller shrimp is going to catch more fish than the bigger one. Mm-hmm. Don, how about the uh, sheephead bite? Sheephead bite's been real good. Mm-hmm. It's starting up here pretty good, too. I'm, I'm just wondering, you get any size in any of them? Oh, yeah. Hmm. It's that time of year, yeah, they're boys. They're a lot bigger. They're, they're not any two or three pounders anymore. They're getting up to five, you know. Mm-hmm. That's good fish. So they're getting a little bigger. Really good fish. How about the whiting bite? Are they inside the uh, the river? I haven't seen a whole lot of yeah. people inside the river fishing whiting, you know. Usually the commercial guys will be out there, but... You know, it, it's really as cold as the water is. It should be that time, I would it think. It should be, yeah. yeah. It should be. I it's mean, it's been so nasty that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who wants you know, to sit in the boat and catch whiting, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, our wind's been blowing terrible. It's... Of course, says the man who had whiting, fried whiting for dinner last night. Yeah. Yeah. But they were frozen, but they were delicious still. But uh, how about uh, surf fishing? I mean, it's been slow up here. Yeah, yeah. Of course, you're over there at Volano, you never know when a house is going to fall on you. So. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. Kind of steer clear of those. I'm telling you. Are they, are they still falling in? They're still falling in. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I know they had one um, up more toward Ponte Vedra that fell right, in not recently. Right. Yeah, North Beach and that. Up yeah, there. up there, there. There's one that fell in on the ocean. Yeah. Right? yeah. But how about, you know, you, you talk about Volano right there on, uh, on, on the uh, south side of the inlet. Mm-hmm. All right. I don't know, what do you call that? Porpoise Point. Porpoise Point, thank you. I went brain dead for a second. At Porpoise Point, uh, what's left there? Is everything still there? Everything's still there, yeah. Yeah, yeah you know, they're still building, rebuilding docks and everything. But I would have figured all those people right there, you know, would have just been boosh. You know, they got some water, I mean. Yeah, it, it, I think most of the damage is a little farther north where the ocean came in real close. Oh, well, it ate, the, ate the, the sand out from underneath. Yeah. Even with the ones with, with pilings driven in, mm-hmm. oh, it just yeah. ate so much. It just, they couldn't support Even it. Even the sea, you know, the, one, the houses that did put seawalls in, water went right around those seawalls. Well, you know, the one, the latest one that fell in, and, and uh, you know, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but the latest one that fell in was uh, the, the people had moved out. They left everything in there, but they moved out, and they were petitioning the county and, I guess, the state, I don't know which or both, uh, to, to let them put a seawall in. They wouldn't let them put it in. Yeah. And it finally ate it out, and the house fell in. Oh, boy, I'd be a real happy camper on that one. You know, I think a seawall's fine, but you got to have a line of seawall. You can't have one guy put in a seawall. Yeah, true, true. But the thing is, I think some of his neighbors already had seawalls in. Yeah. They would have been attaching up to them. Which would have helped, you know. Oh, that, yeah, that had to help. No doubt about it. Anything else going on down there, Don? That's about it. Fiddler's getting awful scarce, so. Oh, that's you know. That's the big problem we got now. So. It, it's cold. And this yeah, next no, week is going to be warm. Maybe they'll come back out. Oh, they will. They will. That's a good thing. Back out. So. All right. Well, tell everybody where you're at. Okay, it's the Avid Angler, 2101 North Ponce de Leon Boulevard, which is US 1, about a quarter mile south of Highway 16. Don, as always, thank you, sir. Thank you now. Bye-bye. All right, bye-bye. Let's go to Robert. Robert, good morning. Good morning, Mr. Walker. How are you doing this morning? I am doing fine. Stellar. Yourself? Very well. Sitting here drinking a cup of coffee, watching TV. Nothing else to do today. Nothing else to do. Let's go shoot some, <laughs> let's go shoot some pheasants. 
Well, I was thinking about maybe taking the short hair out and doing a cleanup hunt. We had uh, we had a big hunt Thursday. A uh, corporate group come in, uh, Coxwell's uh, Construction and uh, SMR Concrete and yeah. some Sawgrass guys. And they, but I'm gonna tell you, them guys shot a pretty good. They had a pretty good shoot. Yeah, 84 84 percent. That's pretty good. Yeah. That's pretty good. That's yeah. pretty darn good. But you know you talking about the deer um you know the activity as it gets later in the year um, mm-hmm. i was coming home from the preserve the other night and um it was after dark and i seen a fire and i said man there's somebody having a party right there i pulled up it was all the deer they said hey man this is the end of hunting season it's <laughs> over. You know, like all the hunters have their their end of the year party they were too um but a lot of a lot of things that people around here miss out on and they some people don't know about it and some do it's kind of a a big secret is west florida Mm-hmm. Um, we hunt over in uh, Apalachicola and dog hunt or steel hunt is there's some excellent hunting over there, uh, especially deer hunting. The deer is actually a lot bigger in size than our local, you know, our local deer here. Mm-hmm. Plus the rut is in full swing over that way in Alabama right now. Mm-hmm. And um, it is, um, I've got friends that's over in um, Alabama actually this weekend hunting and they said the rut is as hot as it can be. Uh. Um, so, I mean, you know, the guys that's locally that's, you know, all depressed because hunting season's in and, you know, hey, you got an opportunity over there because that season, their general gun stays into like uh, the 1st of February, somewhere in, uh, you know, around or mid-February. So it's not over. You still got plenty of time left. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, like the deer around here as well, you know, we have a lot of hunting pressure um, and that is a big thing. And you know, and, and you can base off of like deer up north where, you know, I hunt up in the Midwest a lot filming with tinks, uh, you know, Ohio, Kentucky, Illinois, mm-hmm. Indiana. Um, you have more territory you can see with more agricultural fields. So it's not like around here you got a gallberry thicket and pine hill with palmettas. You know, they can hide behind every bush and you not really see them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they do get more nocturnal at night. Uh, we don't have the temperatures here that they have up north um, i mean the past you know couple of weeks it's been you know very cold but um those deer up north have to get up and feed if mm-hmm. they don't get up and eat they die um but you know around here a lot of the activity and just like the main thing you said condo stands your mm-hmm. your your yearling deer your small bucks and your first and second year does yeah they'll come out around them uh but your big mature bucks the only time he's going to come around that condo is whenever he's behind a doe during the rut, or it'd be one, two o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a place up in uh, Middle Georgia that uh, we've got feed stations um, that are, you know, we run year round, high protein feed, and then we feed corn as well. And we run cameras year round on this place, twenty four seven. We probably got close to fifteen, twenty cameras on our farm. And what is crazy is I had two bucks on camera this year in January or in July, I'm sorry, July 17th mm-hmm. at a mineral site. Mm-hmm. They were together. One was a nine point that would be pushing in roughly one 160 inch deer. He's a, he's a five and a half year old deer. And I had an 11 year or 11 point. that was roughly a four year old deer that was pushing high one forties, maybe one fifty. Mm-hmm. Um, I had one picture of them. I did not have one picture of them at any feed station all summer long i didn't have any a picture any other pictures of them at any other mineral station corn feeders corn on the ground food plots no pictures at all so i'm i'm just a firm believer because we got the deer there we see we find their sheds they don't you know some will leave 
our area. But, you know, I'm a firm believer that once he, you know, once that deer gets three years old, he's smart. Mm-hmm. He has he has he has been shot at. He he knows the tricks, and every year after that, he's that much smarter. And he knows, hey, those yellow acorns, them yellow acorns that somebody's poured on the ground right there or in that feeder, he knows what comes with that. Mm-hmm. And they're just not going to come around it as much as they would, you know, your year and a half old deer, your four points, your six points, your does and stuff, and even old big mature does she's not going to come out around that box stand or she'll be the one that stands there in the bushes and you can see her head and she's steadily looking at it while everybody else eats. Mm -hmm. True. So, you know, I mean, but you know, the season's coming to an end. They've been hunted all year and it's been hard, you know, down here in the South, you know, we got a really long gun season up North. They have a week, two week gun season. So they're not used to it. And it goes everything bow. So they don't have the hunting pressure that we got here. But uh, there's still some good hunting out there uh, in West Florida, and the people that's missing, that's not going over there, not hunting over in that area, mm-hmm. you're, man, you're really missing the boat because there's some beautiful country, rolling hills, um, big, especially Apalachicola. You know, you can go over there in the management area. You can buy, you know, a regular hunting license and a management stamp, and they've got camping areas over there. You can pull your camper and set up. And, uh, I mean, it's beautiful, and there's some really good deer hunting. Plus, hey, the rut's just it ruts on right now over there. Now, let me ask so, you a question on that rut real quick, because you, it seems to me that we this rut goes on at different times in different areas. What triggers the rut? Why is it late there and early over in our area, sometimes in September or, you know, early part of the season, is there more than one rut or is it a certain area? What, what causes the rut to happen? Well, you know, that's a, that's a really good question. And a lot of people will say different, you know, have different opinions on it, but longitude and latitude has a lot to do with the areas of the rut. Um, You can take the Midwest, Okay, you can say, just say, for instance, uh, Tennessee, Kentucky, north to Michigan, all the way over to Kansas, Iowa, you know, um, Minnesota, maybe get that high, Wisconsin, all the way back down, Oklahoma. You can take that area there, and you can take it, and I've been hunting up there for 12 years, and I've killed some tremendous deer up there. Um, But my opinion, and, you know, with me video, and I'm in the tree, you know, daylight to dark. And I get to see the activity. And you base it off of what they call the uh, autumn equinox, which was the hunter's moon and all that. And then the full moon goes in. But you can take it to the bank. The last part of no- or October, Halloween to the 18th of November, it is as hot as it can be up there. At any given time, it comes in. Now, you come to Florida, here in North Florida where we're at, you know, muzzleloading season around here, it, they're, in, they're in full swing in the rut. You know, um, but it's still we've still met that autumn equinox when the hunters moon in our area. But now you can go to West Florida, Alabama, Mississippi, and the ruts actually change. But you can go one state over. You can go to Louisiana and the rut is in in November and you can go straight up, you know, Missouri, Oklahoma, that area. It goes back to, to that. Well, then you go to Texas, you go to South Texas. Hey, January, it's hopping over there. So it's kind of it's weird how the zones are for the rut, um, and and back to is there more than one rut? Yes, it goes back to herd management. Mm-hmm, if mm-hmm. them does are going to cycle every twenty eight days, and she's going to cycle until she's until she's bred, and people say, oh well, that's not true. Well, when the buck drops his horns, 
he can no longer he will no longer breed once he drops his horns. But I have been turkey hunting at, in Georgia, right here. I live in Baker County, right across the line in Georgia. I've been turkey hunting in March and have my decoy set up in a road and watch a buck chase a doe grunting, still having his horns in March, chasing a doe, you know, down the road grunting. And I'm sitting there thinking, what in the world is he doing? It's turkey season. It's not, you know, the rut's not it. But that doe had not been bred because obviously there's so many does mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in that area. So she's going to continue to come in. And then those bucks uh, actually, they'll turn around, you know, and they're, uh, they'll find that doe and she'll continue to, to come in until she's bred. Um, but then you see, okay, you take like the yearling, like the, the the biology and anatomy of the deer is if it, and, and I've read this with and deer farmer magazines and a lot up north and everything. If a yearling deer, and it's hard for our deer here to get that big um, at that age, but say a fawn's born in late spring, early summer here. Mm-hmm. If that fawn can get up to around 90, 80 to 90 pounds, that fawn will come into heat. That doe fawn, she'll come into heat and be, and be able to be bred that year. Now, that's going to be in your February. That's what they call you. hear a lot of hunters talk about the second rut. Yeah, secondary what rut. The, right. And what the second rut normally is, it's the does that didn't get bred in the first the first cycle. Mm-hmm. They're hitting their 28th day again. Plus, now you're having some of the late-born fawns from the previous year, and you're having some uh, uh, or the early-born fawns of, that, of this season have met they're, they're that white side, and then some of those, you know, young fawns start coming into heat. I mean, they're yearlings, you know, some of them 70, 80 pounds, and they'll come into heat. Um, but, you know, normally those deer there, the second rut is most of the time down here in the south is our does that haven't been bred. But, mm-hmm. you know, if you do a lot of herd management, and, and I'm, it's a pet peeve on my piece up in Georgia, is if you kill one buck, you kill two does. Mm-hmm. That's just my rules, and uh, and I tell people, you know, let the spikes and four points walk. But you know, I don't manage everybody else's property. This is just my property that I manage, and I like we shoot mature bucks up there, and we've got some really good deer. Mm-hmm. Uh, we let the smaller bucks walk, and I would rather someone shoot a doe than shooting the spike or the four point. You know, now kids, hey, we let them shoot if they want to shoot a spike, shoot a spike. If you want to shoot a four point, you shoot or you want to shoot a doe, whatever. Um, but, you know, for guys like myself and Roger, you know, people mm-hmm. just hunted a lot, you know, hey, I mean, I'm not going to throw a spike on the back of my truck and ride around. But, you know, a trophy to one man might not be a trophy to other, but if that's your trophy and you're happy with him, hey, I'm happy for you. I'm not going to bash your deer or nothing you kill or take. It's just like fishing. If you want to keep one that's 28 inches, you know, and I want to keep one that's 36 inches, well, you know, that's your opinion. That's your right as a, as a hunter or a fisherman. But, um you know, it, it, herd management's a big thing. You know, if you get your doe population, you it's so hard to be one-to-one like they are out in Texas and all. Um, there's very few ranches and hunting places around that have a one-to-one ratio where you got one buck to one doe. Um, but it, it, it's very hard to do around here. Mm-hmm. Um, and, well, I, I'm, but, personally, I'm not adverse to shooting a doe. I'll, they eat good. I like, oh, I like absolutely. Does. I, 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 I do like them. I would rather eat a, a doe than I would a five or six year old buck. No you know, doubt. That's, that's no just, doubt. You know, Robert. Yeah, Robert, you got a hunt coming up, a, a pheasant hunt coming up, right? 
Yeah, I got one January 27 out here uh, at Smoking Gun Hunting Preserve. Uh, we actually have got three more on the schedule for this year, and we're going to be winding down. We'll be done for this season, getting ready for to start back next October. Um, I talked with my bird guys that I'm actually per- – I'm having to purchase birds so far as North Carolina now. Um, mm-hmm. And the ones we had for the hunt um, – Thursday, which was out of, uh, they come out of North Carolina. Raj, they flew extremely. I was very surprised. Wow, good. Um, They flew extremely well, Um, but they're running low on birds. So I don't know. I've I've had some cancellations. I think I got 14 spots left for the uh, 27th hunt. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's next Saturday. What time Um, of day is that hunt? Well, right now we have it at 9 o'clock, but I've had some people call and ask, say, man, could you do it a little later? So, I mean, we're kind of on the verge to maybe doing a noon hunt mm-hmm. um, and do it a little bit later so we can get some other people in. Uh, we're just going to see how it rolls. It'll either be a 9 o'clock hunt or it'll be a, a 12 o'clock hunt. Um, hunt usually lasts a couple hours. Uh, we, we feed you uh, southern-style lunch after the hunt, and then we clean your birds and take care of it. Uh, $145 a, an adult hunter. Kids uh, 15 and under uh, can hunt for free with that adult. We don't charge for that because we highly encourage you to bring your child hunting and fishing so we can have somebody, as we're getting old and you know, can't go and dying off. We have somebody to take on our tradition and our heritage. There you go. I agree. Uh, Give out your phone number uh, if anybody wants um, to call. You, you can you can reach me. Uh, best my best the best way to reach me is on my cell. This is nine zero four three zero two one five five five, or you can reach me at the preserve number, which I check those messages daily, which is nine zero four seven one six nine nine zero seven. And uh, you can look us up on Facebook at uh, Smoking Gun Hunting Preserve in Florida. And uh, check us out. I guarantee you'll have a good time. You, and then, Roger, you've been out there. Yes. You can vouch for it. It's, yes. a, it's a fun time, good, clean hunt, and bring your kid, and let's go hunt. There you go. Robert, thank you as always. All right. Thank you, guys. Y'all All have right. a good day, and nice talking with you. Yes, God sir. Bless. Yes, sir. God bless you. Uh, guys, we got to step aside for a short break. We'll get back. Captain David Borey will be up with the fishing report. We'll be back with more Florida Sportsman Live right at five. Right here on Sports Radio 930 and SportsRadio930.com. And we are back. Let's go straight to the phones and go to Captain David. David, good morning. Good morning, guys. Good morning. Are you still out at the property? Or Yeah, I'm, I'm still out here and uh, happy to know that my big buck made it through a season. And he's going to be, uh, I'll see him hopefully uh, hopefully next year again. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I was thinking about it, and uh, Robert Davis came on and was talking about uh, a little bit of the habits and uh, the age cycle and how they get smarter and stuff. And I had a deer um, up in Waycross, David, that I was sitting on a food plot. Um, There was a condo stand on it, but I wasn't in the condo stand. I was on the opposite side of the food plot, Uh four rows back in my my climber. I I like to do that because it's really funny how you can sit there like that and watch the deer come out, and he's not going to look at you because you're not supposed to be there, but he's going to look at that condo stand every time. You know, and you sit there and watch the deer come out. They look at the condo. Okay, there's nobody in it. It's clear. Come on, we can feed. Well, I'm sitting there, and and, uh, a little four-point comes out. And, you know, he's legal to shoot, but I'm I'm not going to shoot him. And and there's a little wet spot, a little swamp-like to my north on the north end of the food plot. And I hear kabloosh, 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 kabloosh. And we're talking about 45 minutes before dark, an afternoon sit, obviously. 
And uh, and I'm sitting there, and I hear it, and I hear it, and I'm going, okay, here's here's one coming. That's probably a good one, you know. He's yep, okay, he's coming. And I'm sitting there watching this four point, and the four point looks to the north, so you know he's he's aware of what's going on. We're all aware of what's going on, and then I don't hear the deer up to the north anymore. You know, I'm going, and he doesn't come out, and I'm going, golly, you know. And 15 minutes goes by, and 30 minutes goes by, and you know, next thing you know, we're, we got failing light, and, and you're either going to shoot the four point or you're not. You know, what are you going to do? So I go, well, okay. I, I, I could use a deer at that time. So I, I went ahead and lopped the four point over. And as soon as I pulled that trigger, man, you heard that deer running on that water to the north end. He was standing there for 30 minutes waiting for it to get dark. Oh, yeah. It's you know? amazing how long they can work. Oh, yeah. He just stood there. He just stood there. Yeah, so nope. they get nocturnal and they do that thing. Anyway, back to the fishing. Well, uh, David, you, you didn't get out this week or you did? I got out. Well, I fished Monday and then I headed on up here Tuesday. Uh, but Monday was, you know, it was the only window I had with these people because, of course, they're leaving the next day. Of course, the next day turns out to be beautiful, much better, not beautiful, but a much, you know, this week turned out to be much better. But uh, we had wind conditions we had to deal with. But, well, you know, we still ended up with, you know, two keeper reds and about 10, uh, 10 rat reds. Uh, but the uh, the amount of dead snook we saw was just amazing, amazing. You and fit, I think I sent you a couple of pictures, John. One I sent you that's a, that's a pretty big boy. That's that, a thirty thirty eight inch snook. Yeah, it's a big big old snook. Now, were you down yeah. in the Palm Valley area? Or? Yep, yep. And I saw some bigger than that, man. I saw some parking. Um Another thing, I, I saw I saw a couple a couple of co-ops. You're, break, you're breaking up a little bit, David. No, I'm sorry. How, uh, I've never, I've, I, I did see a couple of dead tilapia, which I've, I was amazed to see, you know, because they, they're pretty freshwater fish, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are. And, uh, but I, I did see uh, probably three or four tarpon, and they, you know, little three footers, you know, the little tarpon. And uh, that, that was it. But the snook was just, I mean, some beautiful snook, beautiful. Big snook, mm. big snook. Mm. I would just love to tie into them. But Roger talking about smart deer. I just want to know how do they know when deer's been when the season's open uh, over? Because this morning, seven thirty this morning, I had a beautiful buck in my in my food plot. Well, that, and that was one thing I was going to bring up to uh, Robert. Mm. I've noticed over the last few years of being in different clubs, you know, there's a lot of pressure early in the season and it kind of wanes as the season goes on. And that's because people have shot their deer or whatever, you know, and uh, football season or whatever, you know, happens. And uh, this club I was in in Baldwin Bay over there toward McClenny, basically a good club, plenty of animals, but the the bigger deer instantly went nocturnal. And uh, one of them they had named Bernard. And, and yeah, they did. They named him Bernard. You know, and a lot of people named their deer like that. Oh, he, there's Firestarter. Uh, that was one that got shot last night uh, on TV. Anyway, uh, Bernard, he just he they had him on camera at night often. You know, at different feeders, different food plots, but not in the daytime. Well, at the end of the season, it was like a week. Be- I think a week before the season was over, or maybe ten days before the season was over. One of the guys in the club, Grady, was walking down a road going to a food plot 
in you know at nine o'clock in the morning or whatever I can't remember what time it was but it was broad daylight and said he and he walked around the corner to where the food plot was and there's Bernard standing in the middle of the daggum food plot well long story short nobody had been really hunting so so if the deer are smart enough to realize when nobody's in the woods the season's over that might have been what triggered you know triggered him and he's out there standing in the middle and and uh, Grady was. Got so nervous he missed him, you know. <laughs> but uh, they they <laughs> did get Bernard this year though, so good for them. They did good. He was a bigger deer, but he was a nice buck. And, yeah. and and I've seen that over and over in some of the clubs when the pressure goes away, all of a sudden, okay, it's over. We can come out now. Mm-hmm. It's almost like they think that, and and uh, you know, right now they can in Georgia, and it's fine. But uh, well, it, I, I got a question for you, Roger. I, I, it's it's an amateur question. I get. I mean, I'm sure you probably know, but. What exact? What's the range of a buck of a good mature buck? I mean, is it just does he have like a, a, a like the antelopes do? He just has a bunch of females that he he hangs with and stays in that group, or no? I mean, what exactly? What what's their range? How everything range everything that I've I've been told is that they stay in in uh, most of their adult life they stay in one set area. And the only time they venture out of that is when it's in the rut or when they're pressured out, uh, basically. And that's what I've been told and what I've kind of seen, you know, because, I mean, look at your cameras. You got the pie ball. How many years you got him on there? Uh, well, four, four, almost four years. Uh, okay, now, he's yeah. in the same area. Mm-hmm. The only time he's going to yeah. venture out of there is probably the rut. He feels right. safe there. Everything's fine. There's no guy with a, with a crossbow shooting at but, him. But are we talking – uh, a mile area, yeah, a square mile yeah, area, they, yeah. ten well, mile area. No, what what I've always heard is like a one to two square mile area that they stay that's, in. That's, and, that's and, it, huh? and I don't know how true that is, but that's what I've read. That's what I've heard from other people, and and they stay it, it in there. It probably depends on the terrain too. You know what kind of you know what kind oh, yeah, of terrain. Yeah, well, have, yeah, but right. they're going to be near the water, near the food, near the bedding area, and when you right, find those right. that combination, they're going to be in that area. I mean, if well, if you've got well, a field Roger, that's you know. You know, I was telling you the last time we talked, I was telling you about this deer and how, how he became. I, I went back, I sat, went back on my computer and started looking at some of my old stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, I'm starting to look and I'm like, I got pictures of this deer, of this pie ball when he was a little four point. And he's all over in the daytime. He's walking out there. I mean, yeah. in the middle of the day, I mean, he's all over the place. Right. You know. He and, learned. Uh, he learned. He got yeah, smarter. He did. Yeah, David, we uh we got to go step aside for a break, and we're loaded up. Can you give everybody your yeah, information yeah, if they want to yeah. go fishing with you? 904-708-8915, and I think the fishing's only going to get better from here on out, guys. There yeah, you I go. do, too. Thanks, David. Thank you, David. All right, John. All right guys, we got to step aside for a short break. We'll get back. Captain Tony, Andrew, and then Kenny. We'll be right back after this. Right here on Sports Radio 930 and SportsRadio930.com. And we are back. Let's go straight to the phones and go to Captain Tony. Captain Tony, good morning. Well, hey, Roger, guys, how are you? Uh, we're doing good, man. You back now among the living? Yeah, well, you know, I'm still doing my thing. I just wanted to uh, get this call in because I just left White Springs, and uh, I just took a, a party out there for the wood ducks, and we had a great show. It was awesome. Oh, excellent. Tell us about it. Yeah, I mean, got out there this morning, nice and cold, and, boy, when the first light came, I mean, they were coming in in hordes, and uh, all my guys looked it out. We had a great time. I'm heading home. and um, going to get uh, guys that 
afternoon time. Did a chunk in the afternoon with my good friend Paul Bennett. And I'll tell you what, seven red, 26 years, uh, been a first 18 crowd of half-day fishing and a thump. All right, Tony, you're breaking up a little bit. You sound like you're doing Navajo yeah, code. There. Yeah, it, we're, we're not getting all the words in. Okay, well, I'm sorry, guys. I just wanted to tell you, fishing is wonderful. Good, 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 good. good. Excellent. Fishing is hot, no doubt. Try to put out your your, your number because you are breaking up. It's hard to hear you, Tony. Give out your number real quick. Okay, it's 904-651-0182. I'll see you guys. There you go, and that came across good. Thank you, Tony. Yep. All right, let's go to Andrew. Andrew, good morning. Good morning. How you guys doing? Good, good, good. Any fly fishermen out there? Yeah, finally got a little break in the weather. Uh, We went out yesterday, actually, and uh, fished kind of what I said last week, kind of the high outgoing tide fishing over oyster bars. And I'll tell you what, the water is crystal clear where we were fishing, so... We covered a lot of water, uh, finally found some schools of fish. They were a little lethargic. Um, they were kind of kind of cold, but we found a couple. It was nice. Um, did you see, you know, it's kind of interesting. Uh, we got a report earlier from Don down at Abbott Angler, and he had a great week, and he started fishing that higher falling tide, not mm-hmm. near low tide, and had rather good. And you mentioned the same thing. Were you seeing fish uh, at that tide, or were we, they moving, yeah. or were they laying we, we, still? Yeah, they were, they were definitely laying still. They weren't really pushing wakes or anything, but the water was clear enough where you could spot them a good 100 feet away. So as long as you're pulling really, really softly, not making a lot of noise, um, these, these fish will, will stay, you know, within range, and you can see them before they start moving around. You know, throw a fly that's real small, not very flashy. I like the natural colors this time of the year. So, um, you know. So you were able to get a couple uh, on the fly itself this week. If we, it... we did, yeah. And then as the tide was dropping out, we uh, we kind of hugged the uh, the channel edges, and we felt like these fish were were in a little bit deeper water, just pulling against uh, pulling against these channel edges, and uh, we were finding them on the falling tide on the channel edges when the water got a little bit lower. Um, were, were you fishing your flies really, really, really slow? We're not even hardly moving the flies. We're basically letting the materials of the fly kind of naturally move in the water. And, and just making really delicate casts really close to the fish when you see them. I, I, uh, what? I, I can remember one day out there, Roger, um, mm-hmm. where the water was crystal clear, just like Andrew is, is talking about, where you could see the fish a long ways away, even though they weren't moving. Right. And I found a group of five or six fish that I could see and snuck up to them where I could get within casting uh, range of them. And you could see everything. I mean, they're they're just laying there. Right. They're barely moving, and and uh, and I throw a fly out there over the top of them and move it, and they don't spook. They don't move. They don't do anything. And I slowed up. I threw the fly out, and I let it sink down to the bottom. Mm-hmm. And when I made the first little strip, there was a little puff of mud that came up from the fly. And a fish immediately moved over to that puff of mud and sucked up that fly, and and it it, it was the trigger that he was looking mm-hmm. for. He knew that 
anything that put a puff of mud up was something to eat, even if he had to suck in some of that mud, whether it was a crab or whatever it was. But the key was slowing down and, and getting that fly down on the bottom to trigger how them to a, feed. How about a split shot? Well, a split shot might work, too. All I'm saying yeah. is, yeah, is to get that, that, puff of mud. Th- that, that little puff of mud mm-hmm. was something that keyed that fish to move where I had casted previously over the top of them. And, I mean, it was right by their eye, and they didn't move off of it at all. They obviously saw it because they saw the puff of mud, but the puff of mud was something that keyed the strike. Mm-hmm. That three inches one thing, up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one little tip that I would recommend this time of year is I change out all my fly lines to cold water lines. Um, you know, most of the year we're using tropical lines, and, and this time of the year it just gets really hard. Um, like the fly line will actually get hard and make it difficult to cast, so... You know, you're going to have to make a little bit longer cast because the water's so clear. And with the cold water line, it just allows you to cast a little bit easier this time of the year. So um, I'm actually using a striper line. Mm-hmm. Now, they, they've been teasing me about cold water and uh, warm water. <laughs> lines. I'm shaking my head yeah, now. He's shaking head. But what it is. I've got cold water monofilament what, right now. What, it does not want to go. <laughs> you got to have the right amount of film. But in fly lines, you're casting the line. And what what they do is the line has to have the right, well, actually, flexibility, let's say. Mm-hmm. If it gets too – Sure. If it, get, if it gets uh, – well, in cold weather, uh, what the, what happens with a tropical line, it gets kinky. It, it doesn't – Like it a won't, slinky. It's like Coiled a slinky, up. and it, it coils up. Tropical line. It's a tropical line. Mm. And really what happens is during the summer when the temperatures are in the 80 degrees, that softens it up or makes it uh, le- or more supple, and it casts well. Well, a winter line has to No, the guy be, who named this stuff <laughs> was drinking a margarita at the time, and he went, tropical. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's what it was. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, th- mm. there is a difference in lines in fly fishing. Whoever is out there trying to catch them in the wintertime, a lot of times that summertime line will not work very well for you in the winter. And, and it, the wintertime line doesn't work well in the summer. And it took an engineer probably 10 mm. years to discover how to make the line do that. Mm. That's right. So they, so, that, so the guys could say, hey, you got to have wintertime line, man. you got to have cold water line. Well, it somebody needs to come play. up with a line that works in all temperatures is what they have to do. They already have that, John, but they just don't <laughs> package it for fly fishermen. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's probably true. Uh, Andrew, uh, is there? Uh, we just got a minute here. Uh, sure. Uh, real quick, any specials going on over there? And give out your number. Sure. Um, we we do have brunch. There's something new that we're doing ever at the cafe. So if anyone's in, interested in brunch all day, um, we're doing that on Saturdays. And if anyone needs any question on fly fishing or anything like that, they can call the shop nine zero four nine nine seven. Thanks, Andrew. We appreciate it. All right, guys. All right, guys. Yes, sir. Thank you. Guys, we've got to step aside for a short break. We'll get back. Kenny, you'll be up. We'll be right back with more Florida Sportsman Live. And we are back. Let's go right to the phones and go to Kenny. Kenny, good morning. Kenny, you there? Oh, let me try him one more time. Kenny. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. You know, oh. I'm not real good at punching buttons on the phones. Every now and then I get a little lax. And- I, I got two questions, and one of them you're either going to laugh your heads off at me or okay. you're going to get on board with me. First one is, what's, what's surf camping? Is it 
so low that it's not worth going fishing for a surfish. Uh, surf temperature is about 47 right now. Isn't that about right? Uh, I talked to a guy that went wahoo fishing yesterday. He said 15 miles out it was still in the high 40s. Okay, so it's so got to be. It's about 47, yeah. I think, is what it is. And, and, yes, it's not really worth going fishing here. If you go down toward the Cape, toward Daytona, uh, Varn Park area, which is down south of uh, Marine Land and all in there, uh, it's a little warmer. You might get some whiting in there. I use, and I'll tell you how I judge the whiting season real quick. Basically, I don't go fishing up here until the Daytona 500 comes, and then I'm at Marine Land. Okay. Okay. And then I work my way up as the water temperatures warm. All right. That's well, just, my wife don't let me, me out of Duval County, so yeah. I, that that okay. rules me out. That's out then. All right. Now here's the big question. Okay. You know, I watch a ton of youtube i probably watch 10 times more youtube than i do tv tv maybe 20 more times okay and you're gonna laugh at me guys i swear to gosh you're gonna laugh at me on this i have been i don't know how this popped up you know things just pop up on youtube randomly Mm -hmm. and you'll you know you'll check them out i I ran across this guy called utah sasquatch okay and he, he is a sasquatch hunter yeah. And this guy is serious as a heart attack, and he shows you the signs. I mean, he finds footprint like it's nothing. I mean, that's like confetti to him. They're out there everywhere for him. Mm-hmm. But you you guys really got to watch this guy one time because I would love to hear you guys. I don't hunt the way y'all do. I would really love to hear what y'all have to say about some of the stuff he points out in the woods. Hmm. it's interesting as all get out i swear i i was not a believer i was not a disbeliever but i swear if they're out there i won't i want about a half a dozen i'm on the university of tennessee football team i won't start recruiting (laughs) well i I, I, are you showing any pictures of them or anything like that there's some pictures and you know they're just he claims that they're in not I, i don't want to use the word cahoots but it's it's kind of you know, a, a good word to use here that they use deer as like a uh, an alarm system. Oh yeah, I'm sure. And they're bad about the, according to him. They're bad about throwing rocks at you. They'll throw sticks at you. They'll do all kinds of stuff. And they're not. They claim that they're not aggressive, but they just don't want you around. But you know, there's no, been no confirmed uh, anybody's ever been hurt by one or anything. But I, I just want you guys honestly. Go watch a couple of his videos because I would love to hear y'all's opinion on it. Y'all spend a lot more time in the woods than I do, but growing up up there in Boone, I had seen things up there that that were exactly what he was showing on the on the videos. Hmm. And what well, was, what was the name of the the web or the YouTube? He's called Utah, uh, Utah Sasquatch, and there's there's three or four guys on there that. You know, if they don't know what they're talking about, then they are running a professional line of BS, and I've swallowed it hook, line, and sinker. There you go. <laughs> well, I'll tell you this. Uh, Ricky on, on the show here, I tried to get him to go out in Wyoming with us and hunt, and I, and I told him, I said, Ricky, I said, I, you know, if you go hunting here in South Georgia and you get out in the woods at 5 o'clock in the morning, you're walking in the woods and, and you hear something, you know, and you go, oh, what is that? What is that? And you kind of get a little scared, you know, and all. I said, yeah, that happens, doesn't it, Ricky? And he goes, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. I said, yeah. And, and then you, you walk a little further and you hear something else. And oh, what is that? Something following me? What, what, I mean, you get a little scared. I said, you know, it's the same thing in Wyoming. I said, you get out in Wyoming and you go through the dark timber at 5 o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. And you go, oh, what is that? I've, I've walked in the middle of a herd of elk yep. and didn't even know I was there. 
Anyway, you go, what is that? And I said, you know what the difference is between Wyoming and, and Georgia, Ricky? And he goes, no, what? I said, there's boogers in Wyoming, and they will eat you. Yeah. There's none in southeast Georgia. <laughs> but well, th- These guys claim that they're all over the United States, that yeah, there's thousands I, uh, of them. Kenny, thousands, Kenny unfortunately, thousands. we're up against the top of the hour, and and, I, and we do have to break. And I will watch that. I think it'll be cool. Yeah. Thank you for it, the it's call. Interesting. It's interesting as I'll get out. Just watch it, and, I'll call, and then we'll get back. All right, yeah. guys. Bye, guys. All right, thank you. Guys, uh, that's the end of the show. Basically, uh, Good fishing this week. Good fishing. Actually, temperatures are going to go up 65. We've got uh, some light winds up until Thursday. It should be excellent out there. So get out and catch some fish and call us next week. Scott, thank you for coming. My pleasure. Everybody stand by for College Sports Today with Terry Norvell and the boys. Be very interesting, and they might even talk a little bit of Jags. I don't know. We'll see you next week.